Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody and welcome back to the Talking Comics podcast. It's Wednesday, October 26th, 2022, and you're listening to episode number 569. Hey. Eh? There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm your host Steve Say. And joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. Go into the chapel and he's gonna get married. Speaking of getting married, Joey Racino, your big day is coming up. That's true, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh Aaron, are 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 you uh are you also here? Yes, I am here. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly ch- chomping on something over there. This is terrible. <laughs> I hate everything about this. Uh hello everybody. Welcome to the show. This is a, uh, again, not every episode could be a special episode. This is just an episode of the podcast where we have a lot of stuff going on. We have tons of news stories that came out over the past week. uh, Maybe even a little bit of runoff from last week. Uh, I'm going to say Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam came out in theaters this past weekend. Some of us have seen it. We will talk about the movie a little later in the show. Uh, we will, of course, give a spoiler warning. Uh, we haven't really decided how we're going to deliver the review yet. I don't know. Probably general thoughts and then spoilers for people that want to tune out in time for that stuff. Uh, and then, of course, lightning rounds, as always. Um, anybody got any? We're, uh, so our next recording is basically going to be Halloween night. Ooh, so spooky. Yeah. What does anybody have any Halloween plans? No, we have done nothing. A- any fall related activities. We have done none of because we have been <laughs> preoccupied wedding planning. Where are you uh, at in the process? Like, are you ready to go? Yeah, like- we're ready to go. We're done. Everything's done. But it's just we were we were just like we were taking a stroll the other day. It was nice out, and Emily was like, "We haven't done anything like no no apple picking, like Aww. our friends' pumpkin car, like all that stuff." Because our weekends have just been packed doing things for the wedding. So, um, yeah, no Halloween plans. We I did buy a bag of candy, so I I will be uh, I will be on the stoop passing out candy. But I I don't even have like a costume planned out. So you're not doing like a costumed wedding then? No. Okay. As some people do getting married so close to Halloween. I had friends do that. They they their reception began really late so that it ran past midnight. They're married on the thirtieth, but their party ended at the thirty first and everyone came or they wanted everyone to come in costume to the reception. 
which was great. The younger people tended to do that. The grown-ups, not so much. The fellow I worked with at, at 112 Video, this was actually was one of the fellow who got married, was one of my co-workers as well. Fellow John went, I'm going to come as the Hulk. John, do you really want to be painted green and in tattered clothes for, I don't know, six or seven hours? Yeah, that's 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 what we wanted to avoid. Right, yeah. And sit at a table with, with the vanilla people who aren't going to go for that. Yeah. That's why I don't do masks at Halloween, because after a while, they're just a nuisance. Yeah, it's like, we're we're supposed to do something for work on Friday. It's like, you know what? I have an idea. Anyone remember the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah, hell yeah, bathrobe. Okay, Arthur Dent, bathrobe, slippers, sweatpants, a towel, and my cobbled-together electronic Hitchhiker's Guide that, that says the answer is 42. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm fine. My dream is to buy for the English department at the school um, Star Trek uniforms. Nice. And then the six of us are the, the crew of uh, the, the bridge crew of, of, of the Enterprise. That's that's my yeah. dream. We did that last year. We were supposed to do at work as a corporate wide theme. Right. So my two co-workers, uh, my one who's she makes costumes for the local theaters. So she did Star Trek dresses for herself and, and my friend Angela. Uh, Melissa, some years back at a Star Trek con, had bought me a, a giant monster mask with a big horn, a Magatu, it actually is. It's like, we'll do a whole Star Trek thing. <laughs> so they're doing, the, you know, Uhura and Nurse Chapel, whatever, and I'm a monster, like, lurking over them. We lost to somebody who, like, stapled postums to themselves. It's like, come on. It's like... A day at work. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, please. Yeah. Clever right. ones. Yeah. It's oh. like we're doing a whole Star Trek theme, and you're yeah, forget it. Just go away. So I'm 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 gonna go bathrobe and slippers. Aaron, what do you got going on? Until this very question came up, I literally hadn't thought about it. Nice. What about I, the dog? I, you gonna get I, any uh, costumes uh-huh. for the dog? No. Last no. week, last year rather, we sat on the porch and she barked at all the kids, and the kids ran the other way. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She, so, um, you know, no. Halloween's up for everybody, you know. Yeah. Listen, Halloween. My, my neighborhood is, my is sketchy, though. My neighborhood is not sketchy in that sketchy in the sense that they every year it's a different time. We all try to like sit on the porch and like, you know, be there for the kids. And sometimes they'll show up at like six o'clock, and then by like seven seven thirty, the the whole crowd is gone. And then a couple years they showed. Up. I had kids like ringing my doorbell at ten p.m. Woof. <laughs> Well, we got curfew here in in Jersey, so uh, it just becomes rough. weird. I've I've literally there was one year I literally raced home from work with bags of candy, and was like met at my car with <laughs> with the kids coming to as I'm like my rabid children. My I was just like I I can't keep up with you all. Just you know. So basically now the dog, even though she's like barking because she's saying hello, um, mm-hmm. it comes off like I'm going to kill you dead. <laughs> so they they sort of are just like yeah you know what maybe we'll go to the next house mm. well you know it's a choice see you know. what bums me out is that we live in a townhouse and there's a good chance that we're going to be taking this place over by next year oh congrats and it, thank you and um but it bums me out a little bit because we barely get any trick-or-treaters if any every year we've been here it'll be six years in march and so we've been through at least like four halloweens 
and every year we load up on like the good candy and we're mm-hmm. all ready to go. Bronwyn's all dressed up. I'm dressed up. We're ready to answer the door. We got like none to two, maybe three people. I think the most we've ever gotten was like nine the mm. first year that we were here, but they all stay to the main drag, like the main street. They don't come into the, uh, like the complexes. Yeah. And so they just don't bother with our place. And so this year, my strategy is to like put a bunch of Halloween decorations and stuff outside to let, let them, them know, know if they mm-hmm. see it, that this is a Halloween house. What if you, you should do ring this th- doorbell, you will get candy is you should get into costume, go to the local park and sit on a bench and pass out candy. Oh, yeah, because that's sure. not that's not sketchy, but no. at least you'll be able yeah. to get rid of all your candy. Oh, Do you that, want to host this show from up. now that, until uh, 10 to 20? That'll get you arrested real quick. Seriously. Um, I got one more little Halloween related story. I was talking to my mom the other day. 10 to 20. <laughs> and I, I had to explain to her what goth is because she was invited to a goth themed Halloween party. She was ready to go to this thing as a hippie with like, all the colorful bandanas and gear and all of that stuff at the glasses. She's like, Oh, it'll be fine. I'm like, no, no, you can't, can't ignore the theme and not go as the thing. So, uh, I told her to go as Morticia and, uh, my stepfather Harris to go as Gomez. Yeah. Ultimately, um, she ended up getting like a Elvira meets demonic angel costume. Um, wow. which I think will look real. No, I think she's going to yeah. look really good. Yeah. Um, my mom gets very excited about this kind of stuff and, uh, I have no idea what, uh, my stepdad's going to be, but probably next to nothing. Um, but now, now I, I've got a candy comment for the year. All right. My, my local grocery store did a three bags for $11 kind of thing, which is, I could probably give out half of that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's always by manufacturer. So it was three musketeers, crunch bars, and Reese's peanut butter cups. Wow, peanut butter in your house, huh? And I gotta say, the fun sized, <gasps> the fun sized Reese's is not as cloyingly awful as the big ones. It's happening. Yes. It, it wasn't bad, especially with a glass of red wine. I gotta say, I tried one because there I got go. grief last year, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't awful. Well, speaking of Halloween candy, I took the Saska's recommendation from the other week and I tried Aero Bars for the first time. And? What I thought I was going to get was the equivalent, like a Canadian Twix bar. That's what they, that's what they looked like uh, on, the, on the packaging. Mm-hmm. And so then I opened, I got two kinds. I got the milk chocolate and I got the mint. They're like little cubes but there's almost like a cake substance inside. So it was like milk chocolate and mint cake. They were good. I don't, I don't know that I would say that they're a top tier candy for me, but they were definitely good. There was a part of me that was waiting for you to say deep anal, but that's another. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say though, that Sasuke interview was fantastic. That that episode was amazing. Yo, that, not only did they share it, um, which, by the way, if you're listening, thank you very much. Tommy Pistol himself Whoa. shared that podcast with his fans. Nice. Making, yep. making inroads. Making inroads into certain niche audiences. Yo, man. <laughs> dude dude pulls those followers. We, we got now, a lot of 
a lot of streams and a lot of downloads and stuff from that from him. I will uh, go that out there. full circle. Now is the time to strike while the iron is hot. <laughs> <laughs> Only fans. Okay. I'm telling Only you. Fans. All right. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's do some lightning rounds. <laughs> Joey, why don't you go Sup? first? You haven't been here in a while. Yeah, I um, I got several things to say. Oh, uh-oh. First of all, I also got DC Universe Infinite Plus Thousand. Yes. Um, love it. It's amazing. I, I've, I've loved Marvel Unlimited for since you know forever, and it's allowed me to catch up on a lot of things. DC Universe, the six month gap, but also like the the constant uploading of things made it difficult to catch up on stuff. The Ultra. In the last like week of having it, I've been able to read full things, catch up on things. It's Ooh. been it's been really awesome. And one of the things yeah. I was able to catch up on was Batman Catwoman, all twelve issues and the special, which I didn't know there was a special. Like I was like, oh, twelve issues, no problem. Then I was like, thirteen, ha, JK. Um, <laughs> Tom King, Clayman, and then surprisingly Liam Sharp for like three issues. I was like, what the hell? Uh, I know Bob, you read it month to month. I'm Mo- sorry. Well, month to month to month to month to and... six months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two, two I'm sorry you did that because I like we've discussed on the show many, 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 many times. I read this one to twelve plus the special in basically one night, two nights, and loved it. I really enjoyed it, and I remember as you were reading it month to six months. Um, it's it's it was it's challenging, and for some reason, not for some reason, I know why. It's the way that King structures his stories and and the timelines and all of that kind of the the way he quote unquote cuts his stories. Um, it just reads better as a collection, and I loved it. I love the focus on Selena as the kind of main character. I love the three timelines and how they intersected. I love the Christmas themed to to everything. Um, the, the phantasm stuff was really cool. Uh, I was able to read it in a single setting, really grasp the entire narrative, see what he was doing with it. And in retrospect too, I, I remember when Batcat came out or rather when they, when they, uh, when they tagged out Tom King yeah. <laughs> and replaced him kind of unceremoniously with, with James Tynan, which ended up being a great run. And I don't want to take anything away from, from Tynan's run. Uh, but I remember when he kind of got tagged out there and we were kind of saying then that like, okay, you know, the, the city of Bane stuff was cool, but the thing that we really wanted to see was how this Batcat stuff is resolved. And the Batman Catwoman story, I think is really cool. And honestly, I think it would have been very bold of DC to run that story in the main Batman book and continuity. Yes. Yeah. It would have been crazy. And, and you know, it, it would have been a flash forward and, and it wouldn't have taken away from any of the timeline. I don't know why I'm speaking coyly about the story. It's like a year and a half old now at this <laughs> point, but like, you know, Batman's not in it. He's dead because it's in the future. And Sel- old Selena now is like trying to tie up all these loose ends. If they had done that in the main bat continuity, that would have been the boldest move. Like to, uh, and and a really great kind of wrap on on his run. So the fact that it got shoved over for whatever reason, whether it was publishing time or concerns about, you know, having a Batman book without a Bruce in it, like there's any number of reasons why this story wasn't in the main Batman book, but reading it in in a single sitting 
was amazing. Uh, Clayman's art is always up and down for me. There were moments of it that I'm like, Ooh, bro. Like this is a little much mm. here. Um, <laughs> Liam Sharp was doing like, the, the, he was doing his Bill Sankovich stuff. Like yes, it was, yes. it was acid trippy, like um, really impressionistic. I was really, really kind of taken aback by it in a really good way, especially because at that point it's a, it, the Joker stuff in there is really, jarring and i think the liam sharp stuff was really um great for that so really awesome series now that i have dc ultra i was able to read it collected no problem and i really 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 enjoyed it um i'm i'm catching up now with son of kal-el and robin damian wayne robin aaron i'm reading that book now um so i'm just catching up on all the dc stuff that i've kind of been Falling, let, to falling to the wayside yeah <laughs> the, the one that i really want to catch up with though because you guys keep raving about it is the the uh teeny howard Catwoman. oh yeah yeah that's the one i want to catch up on now and it's all there like that's what's really awesome about universe ultra so i'm excited for that um also catching up uh just very quickly i read i finished dance lot and peter david's she hulk volumes um, which was awesome because the show was awesome. And I know you all talked about it last time, so I don't want to dive too much into it. Um, uh, but having read slot and David and then going into the show, it was like, perfect. I, I really, everything gelled very nicely there. And then when I caught up with reckoning war, which I know you guys also talked about last week, um, I really enjoyed reckoning war. I agree with some of the sentiments around like the pace of it. Like it's just like five issues was just like everything happened in that, in that book, which was insane. Um, but, you know, like that kind of compressed storytelling is a throwback to comics of old, right? Kind of Silver Age comics. So to that, in that regard, I I, I was kind of just like, all right, here we go. We're going on a ride. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I've just been catching up with a bunch of stuff. The one new thing that I read that I, has been sitting on my table for like three months um, that I bought was this graphic novel called Displacement. Um, and it's by Kiku Hughes. It's from first second. Um, displacement was amazing. I picked it up kind of on a whim. I liked the artwork. I liked the cover. I read the back. I really enjoyed it. So here's the pitch. Um, a teenager is pulled back in time to witness her grandmother's experiences in World War II era Japanese internment camps in Displacement, a historical graphic novel from Kiku Hughes. Kiku is on vacation in San Francisco when suddenly she finds herself displaced to the 1940s Japanese-American internment camp that her late grandmother, Ernestina, was forcibly relocated to during World War II. So, you know, if anybody's read um, Kindred by Octavia Butler, like, it's it's a similar conceit. Um, you know, in that, in that novel, the main character is, like, forcibly taken back in time um, to, to slavery, to kind of live alongside her, her ancestors. Um, this does a similar kind of conceit where Kiku is kind of like forced back in time a couple of times when visiting San Francisco back to the 1940s and, and kind of lives alongside her grandmother as they go into the internment camps. Um, so it's like kind of part, it's, it's obviously derived from, Hughes's real life and her grandmother's experiences and her mother's experiences kind of learning those, those stories from her mother. But it's a really interesting kind of commentary on the way that these traumas are generational and are in some ways 
ignored isn't the right word, but kind of suppressed. So part of the 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 real function of the graphic novel for Kiku Hughes is to put on the page and put into visuals a, a story that she can never know because her grandmother has passed away and her grandmother was also unwilling or in some cases unable to share those memories because of the trauma that it inflicted upon her. Um, so it's this kind of like reimagination and piecing together of stories from documents and diaries and entries and stories that her mother did get from her grandmother and as well as just research into internment camps to kind of create this 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 novel graphic novel um it's a really stunning book i think it's a, a great companion piece to they call this enemy the george takei harmony becker piece that we we really enjoyed a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um but whereas the takei piece was I think much more historically minded in an actual graphic memoir, kind of autography kind of piece. Um, this one is fiction. And I use that kind of in air quotes there because it is this kind of um, how do you, how do we in the current, how do we as contemporary people envision these memories that have been kind of pushed away from us for so long? Um, so it's a really great piece and, um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I think that especially for like, like middle readers, I think like middle school, early high school would be really fantastic. And like I said, a great companion to, they call this enemy. And that's what I've been up to. I'm looking at the pages for displacement. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I like the, I like the art. It might be a weird comparison, but it kind of, Reminds me of um, like Chris Anka meets Bill Schwab, who was yeah. the character design artist for Encanto. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Chris Anka connection is really good. It, it, and I was actually, when I was reading it, I was like, this is the kind of artwork that I like to see in my first second graphic novels. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, it's that kind of line work, the bold colors. Like, I think it's really, I think it's really great. Um, you feel like you feel for these characters. This looks. I gotta read this. This looks cool. Yeah, what is this award awesome. that uh that's on the cover here? I think it's like young readers, something like that. Um, one it's of those big, young readers. It's reader. silver and it's got a fish on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not like it's not like the Newbery Award, but it's like the it's like one of those young reader awards. That's cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and yes, the uh the DC Infinite Plus Two Thousand is uh quite the thing i i have a couple of things on my list from that from digging into that this weekend i'm still learning how to like navigate it and um figure out how to get the most use out of it it's a hell of a move on dc's part you know like marvel went from six months to three months and it was great and marvel has this like they've been digitizing everything for years so they have this giant library and to be 100 percent honest i've had both for I've had Marvel Unlimited for years, but I've had both for at least the last year and a half together. And I just Marvel Unlimited was my go to because DC was a little unwieldy. Not everything was there and it wasn't worth waiting the six months. So like I I would just like fall behind on stuff. So but the past two past week and a half that I've had DC Universe Ultra, it's the only thing I've had open on my iPad. Like I've just been like, yeah, I think that's going to be the game changer. I think that's exactly it. Because for you know, I think there's quite a few people who are looking at it 
for it was never going to be for them an alternative to actually going into their shops like you know augmenting your pull list was never going to be a thing that you're going to do with dc because it took them forever but now it's sort of like huh because i think my only use is when i i was i went through this phase when i was literally trying to catch up on some of the runs like you know that that maybe you know i should have read but hadn't read and you know that's where i got the the, the jsa and the, the sandman not a sandman but um starman and a bunch of other things um but it was always things that were you know like 10 plus years old you know that the entire run was there this is going to be a, a game changer and i am very curious to see how marvel responds if they can respond there's not really much more they can do but yeah, well curious. yeah i yeah i, I and, and I know last week, I think some of y'all were, were bringing up the idea of like, or maybe it was in the chat about like impact on like LCSs and, yeah. and, you know, print comics and things like that. And I've been saying for, you know, the, the last couple of years, every time we get a listener question about this, is that like, I don't have a shop. So like for me, getting DC comics was always hard, especially like, Okay, I'd go on Comixology, but then Comixology is also trash now. So, like, having this has really changed my reading of of DC. Just in a week and a half, I've read more DC than I have in the last two months, right? So, it's just like, it's got, I'm paying subscriptions, I'm more on the books, you know? I'm more likely to, you know, come holiday time, recommend Mm -hmm. collections of some of these books if they ever come out. So, it's just like... I, I, it is a game changer both for the kind of streaming wars between the big two, if you want to call it that, which it isn't, so whatever. But also, I think, for how we consume these books. I think one of the things that really helped convince me to get it, not only did they give you the, the month out number, which was just phenomenal. Like, I heard that and I was immediately interested. But paying for everything all at once I yeah. think was really big. Like you put, you pay the flat fee. I must've gotten some kind of a discount or come in at the right time or something, because mine definitely cost like 20, $30 less than what yeah, I was you were, told. It y'all were, cost. y'all were talking about it last week. Uh, if you get it now, it's like a hundred bucks, November 20 something. Wow. It becomes $130. I got it for like 81. Well, you're Canadian. I, 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 I don't know what happened, but like I, it, my total came up and I did one of those things where mentally I was like, what? And I said, okay, like you want to charge me considerably less than I was willing to pay. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. You, it might be because you're Canadian, but here in the States, it's like a hundred bucks. Like, uh, like, like, like the pre, if you do it now and then it goes up at the end of November, which I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. Because y'all were talking about last week. Like I did all of dark crisis and all of justice league, superhero legion, superheroes, whatever. That's a hundred bucks right there. You know? Yep. Yeah. And, oh, easily. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like now I'm going to read a hell of a lot more DC, you know? And I don't know. You know, it was cool though. Cause like, I'm sorry about one, one more thing I got. Sure. Um, like, when the money that I didn't spend on DC this past week, because it was the first week in like almost 11 years that I didn't buy DC comics on the day they came out, uh, I bought other stuff. I went and I picked up a couple of graphic novels. Yeah. And it was it was crazy. I saved like $65 yeah. by by not getting DC books and then went and went ahead and got uh, a couple of other things instead. And it and- worked out to be less. 
I want to make something very clear. I'm still going to get Dark Crisis number seven or whatever it is, because that one I want to read on release day. I'm not going to wait a month. But for some of these other books that like I've been collecting issues or like sitting on, like I know now that I can wait a little bit and it'll be in my it'll be in my app. Right. Go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. I I think the month delay is not going to impact LCSs and their regular customers, their regular weekly customers. But for some of this other stuff, certainly there's now an option. I'd rather wait. Is it something that I thought about but don't really need to have? Are the young adult graphic novels and everything in there as well? Uh, I want to say no. I'd have to check. I don't believe so. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I know that like their black label and milestone stuff has been updated. I don't know about the graphic novels because those are awesome, but also I don't mind buying those. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like those, like, it's like, Oh wow. $12. You know what $12 is like those three DC books that I just have piling up in my comiXology that I'm going to wait now is on my app. I can buy that graphic novel. Sure. And also the graphic novels, I think move in bookstores. You oh, absolutely. I mean? They have their own so, displays set up, sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, does the, would this help uh, Doomsday Clock, for instance? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the other... Like, to be clear, though, at the other, end of the day, they got to get their books out on time. Like, that's the other thing. Like, Marvel's bad about it, for sure, but DC is notoriously bad with, with some of these yeah. things. So That is, that is the Bat-Cat problem, and, and I, I loved hearing you speak so highly of it. What, when I was enjoying it, I really was. Yeah. When it turned into, oh, that's not coming out this week, or next week, or next month, for that matter. It was, uh, I, it, it was, it was hard to keep up, and I tried to. I probably should have let them sit aside. Yeah. It, but, like, as... As you and I have learned, because you and I keep picking up Tom King books for for some reason, like, like, and super, super girl woman of tomorrow is the same way. Whereas like you, you were much better about reading it every month. And I was not. And I just like, they piled up. And then at the very end, I read it all together. And we had two completely different reading experiences Mm -hmm. from it. And I think that, that like, like I just I, I I never learned my lesson with him, and I don't know why. <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't I but but I I just like I I really really liked it. Um, and again, it just makes me think like, and it's the same thing with some of the black label stuff. Like there are writers, well, and also Cap Batman Catwoman was now is now a black label thing, right? But like mm-hmm. there are writers at DC doing very bold stories with these characters. Some of which, not all of them, but some of which, if they just had the chutzpah to like do it in the mainline continuity would be very, very interesting and bold and dynamic for a lot of these characters. Not all the stories, obviously some are better suited than others, but you know, it just makes me think like you really couldn't have let him do this story. And then, you know, it's not, it's not like it was happening in the present day anyway. So yeah, I don't know. (laughs) With you. I'm excited to dig into a bunch of stuff that's on there. I got a, I got a, Get in there and find out. I gotta make a list. I also read Jeff the Land Shark and I freaking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's Jeff. Yeah. Jeff the Land Shark. And I I, I I love that it's like doing the the um webtoon down the vertical scroll um on Marvel Unlimited. Where just, is Kelly Thompson these days? Doing aside. Captain Marvel and doing Jeff. That's it, huh? Doing the longest running Captain Marvel volume we've had to date. 
you know what well deserved because <laughs> she was on every book under the sun for a while and they were all yeah. great it's a sad thing is yes, that yeah. we're not getting her sabrina and her black widow and all the other fun things yeah i'm waiting Maybe, i'm uh, waiting for them to pull the trigger on her young avengers or whatever you know it's it's all the pieces are there she's written all these characters separately at this point you know just do it. A Force or Young Avengers, you know, any of those things would be golden. Yeah, I agree. All right, Aaron, you want to do lightning round? Of course I do. Why the hell not? Why am I here? That's the spirit. Okay. All right. Okay. Doing the stretches. All right. Here we go. So. I'm going to be jumping back and forth. I just realized that this is a very, very interesting lightning on i got here okay so i got miles morales spider-man number 41 and 42 and it's interesting because it is the last issues by saladin ahmed uh wrapping up his miles in the multiverse story uh just to catch you all up miles was fighting uh this organization whose names i'm struggling to remember right now because it was ultimately irrelevant um <laughs> uh, that had kidnapped him once before identified you know what his upper limits were and then kind of use them to create some some clones of him and this was a story that you know it seemed like it was going nowhere at the time but then it sort of paid off or to some degree paid off with this storyline by providing ultimate alternate versions of miles that he had to deal with at a certain point one of which didn't turn out well the other of which sort of gave him a little bit of a you know de facto brother so it ended up being a sweet relationship well, of course, nothing comes to the price. And so Miles finds himself fighting this organization and in the process uh, loses his uncle Aaron. He loses his uncle Aaron in the multiverse, at which point he and his, I'm going to say brother, Glurp, as, I call, as I'm always going to call him, because um, that's the only word he knows how to say, basically, because, you know, yeah. that that version of Miles didn't turn out as well as it could have had some had some flaws. Um, and so, you know, they're off on this adventure across the multiverse and these different realities, basically trying to find Uncle Aaron. And when they finally do, it is in this version of New York that the evil brother had essentially uh, taken over. You know, uh, he sort of set up a barrier to keep everyone out, which is how they basically explain how no one else, how he was able to take over, you know, an entire borough in Manhattan without the Avengers laying the smackdown on him. Um and had some very interesting ways of powering these barriers that were very, you know, close to Miles. Um, you ran into some other versions of characters there. This was also 20 years in the future. You ran into some other versions of characters there that had been through the ringer um, without a Miles Spider-Man there to save them. They know of him, but in, in that version, he had died. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, this, you know, what what would have happened if we never if I never existed type scenario going on there, um, and uh, it was it was it was interesting to see some of those emotional beats play out um, between he and Genki, between he and Billy, uh, Billy being his baby sister who was not a baby anymore, um, and 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 then some reunions along the way, um, as as should be expected, our hero eventually takes down his nemesis, you know, uh, Salim, yes, which is Miles spelled backwards. Um, and you know, all is well, I guess, except someone has to make the ultimate sacrifice to essentially save everyone, 
you know, uh, Salim's approach was, hey, if I'm not going to win this battle, then no one is. And he tried it, but he failed because someone made the ultimate sacrifice and it was an emotional one. But at the same time, one I felt like was rushed um, because, you know, it seemed like we had to go down the path of wrapping this all up really quickly and giving Miles a a demarcation line in the universe so that his his next creator can can sort of start fresh, um, which brought us to issue 42, which is essentially a very reflective issue of Miles and the people around him, the people in his life, because they have, of course, now made it back to their their dimension, if you want to call it that, their their world, their earth in the multiverse. Um, and he has to now sort of reconcile what his life, having been gone for a little while, you know, sifting, you know, leaping from multiverse to multiverse to multiverse. Um, one of which is uh, his relationship with Starling, who is basically the granddaughter of Mr. Toombs, the vulture. Um, and they have a little bit of a relationship going on there and trying to figure out where that goes, what it means, what will he be able to do? Will he ever be able to have the life he wants? What is the life he wants? He starts asking a lot of questions and it's sort of depicted and narrated through different types of anim um, animation, different types of um, art styles uh, as you go through the book. Um, and you can definitely see it's sort of him trying to figure out, well, what what was what were the lessons of this this run um, and what will I take from it? Um, and it gave it, it it wrapped everything up with a nice little bow on it. I did feel like sometimes the art betrayed what was being with the story that was being told. Um, also, there was a little bit of a caper with the rhino on the side, but that was, again, ultimately, I think, just trying to wrap a bow around the storyline that had gone straight earlier in the run. But um, in the end, I, I, I have enjoyed this version. There had some ups and had some downs. Um, I, I, I have said in the past, the things that I loved about it the most were that it, it took the time to separate Miles from Peter Parker and not make him just a subset, you know, the way the whole Spider-Verse st stories always sort of try to position Peter Parker as the pinnacle and everyone else sort of flows from him. This gave Miles his own identity um, and, you know, allowed him to sort of explore that. And very rarely did they ever call upon Peter Parker in any aspect of this. So I appreciate that. I'm going to miss it. But I'm also excited about what's to come because uh, I believe beginning in December, it's going to be written by Cody Ziegler. So I'm very mm. happy about that. So there you have it. That was a long way to go around for a lightning round, but it was two issues. So come at me, bro. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, book number two, GCPD, The Blue Wall, number one, John Ridley, uh, Rico Murakami. Um, I had to read this book, especially because of the uh, other works that we've I've read by uh, John Ridley uh, over the what, past couple of years. Of, the, what was the name of that story, that series of books? I'm sorry, I'm doubling up here. That series of books that he wrote um, talking about the other history of the DC universe. Yeah. Thank you. Um I just love the way he depicted the stories and depicted the heroes um, going a little bit deeper and not just the, you know, capes and tights and the wow, you know, whiz bang boom and all that stuff, but really giving sort of a, an internal psychological monologue along with what was happening. And there's no difference here. So GCPD, the blue wall, the central figure in theory is Renee Montoya, but it actually uh, takes on a view of both Renee, who's act acting now as a commissioner and three cadet slash officers. You, you meet up with these cadets or officers as they are graduating the academy. And it really presents a inside view of the, 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 the expectations versus reality. Um, each of them has a, a little bit of a, a come to Jesus moment in that regard, if you want to call it that. Um, Renee, understanding what her objectives were when she became a police officer versus what her objectives are now or what what objectives are hoisted upon her 
um, as he is now the commissioner, but one being, you know, helping people, the other being political. And then you also have these three um, cadets slash officers who are also having the same sort of real reality check. They, they had this romanticized idea of what it meant to be a police officer. One's going to be a parole officer. One's going to be uh, stationed in what is the roughest part of, of, of Gotham City, but also where you get to make a big name for yourself. And then the other one is, is sort of going to be in a, another space where she is, um, you know, an everyday beat cop, but still having the opportunities there. She gets involved in a little bit of an incident that immediately positions her as a hero. But what we find out is that there are other things that happen that may have allowed people to misinterpret what actually happened there. So now she's got to deal with the reality of who she is versus who everyone believes she is. And she's now this instantly recognizable resource, you know, in the GCPD and they're using her for publicity. And it's really sort of, you know, playing on, you know, what it means to be a police officer and, and having to take every opportunity to look at the good things versus the whole, you know, defund the police. So they actually talk about it there. So it's giving you a little bit of an insight into the the, the roles that each one of these characters play. Um, and also, I should say, each one of these characters is a person of color. Um, and, you know, sort of the, the I can tell you based on how things are being set up here that there is that is going to be a fifth character in this mm. run. Um, and it's going to be interesting because they don't all necessarily have the same experience and they're not all, you know, necessarily going to I don't I don't see this as them all necessarily being. I, I, I'm just going to leave it. I don't want to spoil it. I just going to leave it as saying I don't think you're all going to have the same experience, but I think the experiences that they have are going to be very well thought out and very well you know reviewed um and i'm looking forward to it um i just john really has a way of telling these types of stories that are engaging um it didn't feel as much like a comic book as it would like a <laughs> like an hbo drama if you want to call it that because i was really more so i wasn't i didn't find myself looking for the the big villain that's going to drop out of the sky and then we're going to, you know, everyone's going to team up and, and beat him. It was more so I was looking to see what, what's happening in the next scene and what's this character doing and, and how is this playing into the larger drama, the larger story of it all. So it's very interesting the way he writes these things and, I'm, and you can definitely see his film, you know, influences coming in here. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I would recommend it. I think it's a good start, especially if you like those other history of the DC universe books. Lastly, I'm just going to talk briefly promise about the finale of, well, in a sense, Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor, Jodie Whittaker. And I want to talk about this because we've talked about a little bit about Jodie Whittaker's run in the past, what it means or what it meant to have a female doctor after, was it 50 some odd, 55 or so years, you know, uh, cranking out doctors here. Um, and how we feel, how I felt like they treated her. Um, I'll first start by just giving a little bit of a summary. You have the Doctor, Yaz, and Dan on another adventure, uh, rescuing a train that's being overrun by Cybermen, if you recall from the previous storyline with the Master. <laughs> there was this sort of stealing of regenerative energy, and now you have Cybermen that can regenerate after they are killed, and it makes them a little Whoa. bit harder to kill. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's bad news. Spoilers. Um, so, you know, you find, they, they get through the scenario. 
characters, you, again, you begin to see characters having these reflective moments, and one of them decides, you know what, this is maybe, that was a little bit too close of a call. Maybe this isn't what I want to do. And they sort of take their departure. Um, and we begin this sort of, but there's still the story of how do we, we, we they still got to get to the bottom of these Cybermen and the whole situation with the Master and what's going on, and they find themselves in Russia in 1916. There's all these things happening to Earth. Why are these things happening to Earth? Where the Daleks are reaching out? Everything's just going batshit crazy. Not to mention, you have some the return of some longtime uh, old school Doctor Who companions that are adding a new flavor. When I say old school, I mean like 70s and 80s. Wow. More so 80s, yeah. Uh, the original actors uh, coming back. It was, I will say, a situation where the past meets the present, and I, the present, and I think they tried to really finally do right by Jody by giving her a two-hour send-off that had layers that were emotionally complex, that had high adventure from the onset, that really tested her ability to dig into the role of the Doctor and dig into all of those things that make the Doctor the Doctor. Um, the intelligence, the smarts, the heart, the, the people that love them, all of that stuff was on display here. And I wanted to talk about it because why couldn't they do this for the last four years? Yeah, it takes the last episode to do it. That's horrible. <laughs> so, that's a long way of going around it. And I apologize, yeah. but I just felt like it deserved to be said because this is this episode was really entertaining. And it's two hours. Um, it was really entertaining, really just fun to dig into. I, the whole Yaz Doctor thing, I wasn't really into primarily because it was hand jammed down. It sort of came about the very last minute. And it, I, I think they disrespectfully tried to push it down everyone's throat. But whatever. Still, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was just engaged the entire way. And I just kept saying to myself, this is what I wanted to see week to week to week to week. And then, of course, there was the big final scene moment where everyone like shit their pants at what happened. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spoil that, but I know <laughs> there's some viewers that were quite happy. I'll say I'll put it that way. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. Um, you know, we've we've heard conversations about how the doctor is going to return to basics, but expand a little bit. Um, I've heard, you know, a lot of things. So I'm excited about it. We'll see where it goes. Um, I just wanted to say great job sending off Jodie Whittaker. Wish it should happen a lot sooner. Not the send off, but the great job. Um, and that's my lightning round. Nicely done. Going back to your Miles Morales, mm -hmm. you said the magic name. I haven't heard in a long time. Genki. Yes. What is Genki up to these days? <laughs> Genki needs to understand the word, the, the meaning of bros before it. Well, anyway. Oh, mm. what? <laughs> Genki. But, but, you know, I think I think all is forgiven. Um, but, you know, Genki's, Genki's flexing a little bit. But he's still the best friend. He's still, he's not, he didn't do anything disrespectful. There wasn't like a conflict. But Genki, uh Genki shot his shot and, you know, it just happened to be a little bit too close to home, but they got over it um, because, you know, Miles had his other, you know, thing. His heart wasn't really in it anyway. It was just sort of like, well, you know, that was mine. Why did you do that? Mm. Genki, but, you know, Genki is still there. But I think um, I think the impact of that story was was. I, I don't know. I think it was kind of resolved by, you know, internally and for the reader by having Miles meet a Genki 20 years later um, and having them having them realize as an adult 
you know what's important and what's not and that sort of that story that sort of side storyline kind of went away but genki is he wasn't used i'll be honest he wasn't used as much towards the later end of this run there are so many other storylines that that miles was brought into it really became mm-hmm. the, the later end of this arc or these this run became miles trying to well constantly trying to protect his family but also trying to figure out what type of spider-man he wanted to be um you know what that really meant will he ever will there ever be a moment of normalcy for him for whatever that means um you know and so it, a lot of characters didn't really get a lot of screen time how all right i have two two follow-up questions Mm -hmm. one is is genki like still just the best friend or does he have a role outside of that in the story is he the the tech guy like the the guy behind the computer as they say well is he the willow rosenberg um (laughs) he he wasn't he not so much because at the same time you have to have to remember that miles is a little bit of a genius himself um so he was the tech guy he was sort of the research guy at times he was sort of the there was a couple of instances where he was yeah the guy that was on the other end of the the mic or the the earpiece um helping with a couple of things but the way the story was written i i always got the impression that miles was doing that more for genki than he was out of a need mm-hmm. i think he the way it was written to me i read that as he really wanted genki to feel like he's a part of the family. He's a part of the team. And that he, you know, and he saw how much Genki loved it, how he leaned into it. He, you know, being Spider-Man's best friend and being, you know, in the know. And, you know, when, you know, when you throw in all the things that they did it, you know, protecting the school and how Genki sort of sacrificed, you know, some things in, in that regard, you know, he had to be part of the team. Pity teammate. Gotta love it. Yeah. Nice. Who's yeah, picking just... up Miles now? Uh, Cody Ziegler. Oh, right, right, right. You said. Yep. Um, I had another question. What the hell was it? That, oh, wrote that last episode of uh, She-Hulk. Have oh. they aged him up at all, yeah. Miles? Like, where is he at these days? I think he's around 16 or 17 now. No, 16, all right, 17. so he's yeah. still he's more or less about the same age. Well, he out there trying to get it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He out there. No, because remember, he, when he, when he, came in, he was like 11. When he started, when Benza started him, he was like eleven. They did a they did a full on oh, age. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he was. I guess you'd call him middle school, right? When yeah, he, he was yeah. little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, so he's yeah. he's big man on campus now. He's got to play it down though, because he doesn't want people to know who he is. So there's of course the bully that tries to bully him, and he doesn't let him bully him. But at the same time, he doesn't crack a skull either. Ah, uh, what a life. So yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I, I'm gonna. I was gonna say I'm gonna miss it, but I, 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 I did enjoy aspects of this run. I enjoyed that his family was all together again because there was always always seemed to be some drama with his family. Someone dying, someone this, someone that. Um, I enjoyed that he had a, he was allowed to have an actual happy functional family. Right. You know, so I'm gonna miss that. I'm curious to see where Cody's gonna go with this. Uh, does anybody else have anything for Aaron before I ask a Doctor Who question? Go. Okay. Go for it. Um, so I tried to avoid um, as many spoilers as I could, but it was pretty hard <laughs> to dodge today as people were like, gonna say, news outlets were just posting video of Jodie Whittaker's exit and stuff like that. But 
I also saw spoilers for Doctor Who people out there. If you didn't see this, by the way, spoilers, spoilers, um, spoilers. So <laughs> David Tennant, David Tennant is coming back as the Doctor temporarily before uh, Nkuti Gatwa comes back on or so, comes on to be the Doctor. We're in the spoilers territory now. So I'm going to go and say this. One of the things that the master, that scenery chewing bastard. Uh, <laughs> I love the master. Oh, I can't stand this actor. Um, oh, I don't know about the, I don't know about the new master, but the master in oh, the no. past has oh, been yeah. a lot of fun. No, Missy was the pinnacle. Yes. She, was, she was the pinnacle. This guy, he's just doing John Timms all over again. But anyway, I'm just going <laughs> to go because other people are going to disagree with me. Um, so, and of course my phone's ringing, so ignore that. Um, so one of the things that the master tried to do, which kind of, if you would see the symbology of it was force the doctor's regeneration, but the forced regeneration was not just, Hey, let, let's just force him to regenerate, kill him or whatever, but it was to force him or force her to regenerate into him. So basically it was like, all right, you get in this one cage over here, you get in that other cage over there, we're going to force this regeneration and I'm going to re I'm going to bond or somehow mix with your regeneration energy and then you are going to regenerate as me and I'm going to remember it and you're going to be gone. Hmm. So that's kind of what happened. Um, but, you know, there's always a plan. There's always a way to reverse things and, and, and that kind of happened. But, and do you want to know this? I mean, probably not. <laughs> okay because i can tell you what happened next no 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 i don't i don't think we need to go that far okay they could have gone um, for a whole set of doctors right you know you, but, you can regenerate peter cushing at this point it's been um, done well hmm. mm. i'm not gonna make any comments mm. <laughs> all right all comments. right <laughs> um, but suffice it to say um what scene that i said that everyone shit their pants over was was exactly that um tenant Okay. Being on screen. Okay. Mm. Yeah. What if it would have been it Matt just, Smith doing his Morbius dance? I think that would have been. Listen, I will never say no to Matt Smith. <laughs> yes. I, I think part of my problem and why I was really confused when I saw the headlines, they have to stop calling everything that comes out Doctor Who now a special because, like, just call it a season or a mini or something else because the, mm. the the specials and what the other things are doing are all blending together. I feel like we've had six 60th anniversary specials in the last two years. Wow. Yeah. I, it, I just, it, I it find is kind the, of the way of British television though. They, they yeah. like special as a word a lot. I just find the language of some television stuff to, to be difficult. Some outlets don't really know how to just put it plainly and they try to dress it up with this like fancy almost like pseudo corporate language and it just ends up making it sound confusing i just think uh, yeah for well just as as a note of clarity the 60th anniversary isn't until next year but i see the point you're making okay um they've had a lot they had that whole flux thing which was done as it was it was good but it was done a la children of earth style you know, Ooh. you know, uh, from Torchwood, where mm -hmm. you know it was one story over multiple over what six ish episodes, um, and that sort of came off like a special. Whereas, personally, I felt like that's how the season should have been going because it might have given 
you know, a, you know, a better, it might've kept us engaged more. I, I just felt like they didn't really have an identity for her. Um, and I think that led to be, to be 100% honest with you, I think there's a couple of things that led to the way the season was broke up. Number one, she had a baby. Um, so, you know, that sort of threw a wrench into some of the scheduling things. Um, but at the same time, I just feel like they didn't have a handle on who they wanted this doctor to be. Um, and they didn't take the time. It didn't feel like they took the time to really sit down and storyboard it. So it seemed like they were just, it really came off like they were just haphazardly throwing out episodes. Um, some of the episodes were very cosmic and outer spacey, but then some of the episodes were very historical and, you know, and, you know, really leaning into, you know, there was a Rosa Parks episode, you know, there was a partition episode. Um, but then there was also like the witches in Salem episode, which was kind of weird. It was, it just didn't, it wasn't always cohesive. Um, and so you would literally turn in, tune in to watch and you didn't really know which part of the who universe you were going to be in. You didn't know if you're going to be on some random planet that didn't, you know, that had no sort of story cohesion, or if you were going to be, you know, in the past fighting racism or sexism or racism and sexism or whatever. An ism. Yeah. And some, some ism, you know, it, it, it didn't, I always give the first season of any doctor, I'd lower the bar because I always give them an opportunity to get their, their bearing. And I'll be honest, with the exception of Matt Smith, I, I didn't like any of the first seasons of the doctor. I didn't like Capaldi's. I didn't like Tenet's. I didn't like Eccleston period. Um, but they always get, find their footing after that first season. Matt Smith found his footing after like the first episode. Um, <laughs> but in Capaldi, I didn't. I thought his first season he was mean. Um, and they seemed they sort of seemed to realize that and sort of yeah. make him more comedic. And, he was a real you know, crank. That yeah, first but they they sort of meld him out and made him a little bit more I don't know relatable. Um, the next few seasons and he became one of my favorites to be honest with you um yeah it's just one of those things they did they never had that with her they never figured out who she was you know it's interesting i'm not a whovian at all i mean i check in an episode once a season just because some like we're talking about here what i saw in comments were that people seemed to really like jody whitaker but didn't yes. like the show she was in 100 percent. that's exactly the case 100 percent. yeah it would they felt like she was shortchanged yeah she wasn't given the attention chipnell mr chipnell just didn't uh i don't know he didn't have a story well shame on him for squandering the opportunity there you go i tell you what people always say about peter about um was it moffat but he had his seasons all planned out and he would masterfully say what you want to say. He would masterfully put Easter eggs and breadcrumbs in episodes that I swear to you at the beginning of the season, you're just like, what the hell is that about? But by the end of the season, you'd see these flashbacks to where everything came together and connected and it all made sense. He did it over and over again. So I, you know, I, I'm not saying Lots. just keep repeating or regurgitating the same thing, but make it cohesive, make it make sense. So. That's yeah, you, you have a storyline that's been running for 57 years or whatever it is. You exactly. might want to think about that, yeah. It's like 1963 it debuted. And, you know, you it finally, I won't spoil it, never mind. <laughs> There's history. 
there's history. That's all. I'm all saying. right. Well, this has been your Doctor <laughs> Who minute. <laughs> Bob, it is your Ooh. turn. Uh, yes, sir. First up, a quick note of thanks to Kelly Thompson, who we just mentioned, Andrea DeVito, Nolan Woodward, Clayton Cowles, and certainly the Guri Hero team for their hilarious variant cover for Captain Marvel number 42. Now, because I got to say for the record that I prejudged AXE Judgment Day and found it not worthy of my dollars. So this book, which is a crossover, stood a chance of being completely incomprehensible. However, it was instead a well-delivered spotlight on what makes Carol Danvers a great hero, also gives great insight into her sister, Lori L., not to mention Karen's little pal, Kit, and her even littler pal in a tale entitled The Chewy Center. Hilarious and heartfelt. The cover I'm mentioning in question is a crossover between Jeff and Chewy. All I'm going to say. <laughs> Batgirls number 11 by Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, Neil Gouge, Scott Gazwells, uh, Wayne Frischer, Rico Renzi, Becca Carey, just a whole crew of people. It takes the hunt for the Hill Ripper to Gotham Zoo. Now, that may sound like a dead end from the get-go. But with Maps Mizuguchi along for the trip, you can count on some surprises. Love the tone of this book, so different than the majority of the DC line. And here's hoping more people, more readers, take a peek into this charming little corner of, of Gotham City. It's just a little different, and it's just loving, loving Batgirls. Speaking of different corners of Gotham, there's Harley Quinn, the animated series Legion of Bats, number one, by T. Franklin, Shea Beagle, Roberto Poggi, Lee Laridge, and Terro Esposito, which just leaps out from the end of season three of the animated show, which left Harley and Ivy in interesting new places. Harley as a new, newly crowned anti-hero hanging with the Bat family. Ivy as the newly minted leader of the Legion of Doom. <gasps> Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, ton, look, tons of shenanigans as this plays out. No more lovely than Harl Ivy as they decide to rename the Legion, well, as the Ladies and Non-Binaries of Doom. Great nice. stuff by T. Franklin, and Shea Beagle's art continues the Giant Days vibe that Max Saren established in the previous arc, but also with sort of a slice of Agnes Garboska added to, to the mix. Always a lot of fun. If you're a fan of the animated series, just pick up both these runs as soon as possible. You're not going to be disappointed one bit. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Agnes yeah, but, Garboska. Uh, love, love me some Agnes. Yeah, uh, she's great. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. Defenders Beyond Number 4 by Al Ewing, Javier Rodriguez, Joe Carmagna. Uh, uh, not sure where to begin, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Except to say that for something so loopy to be so deeply moving, that's an amazing amount of story craft. We get peeks into a kaleidoscopic vision of our characters' possible life paths. That leads to a cliffhanger that, well, it portends that next issue will be bonkers. <laughs> if you're reading Defenders, you get what I'm saying. If you don't, you may never. This is just absolutely crazy and 
so engaging every minute. And even if you don't know what's going on, you care. Hey. <laughs> right. I, well, that's all of us, right? I guess. I fared better this issue than the okay. last issue. I was dying last issue. I had no idea what was going on. I felt like somebody had slipped me something into my drink. <laughs> well, yeah, that is kind of the, the vibe of Defenders Beyond. It is beyond. And I'll tell you, there was a genuinely terrifying page in this comic that I was not expecting. It had uh, a very like Gideon Falls number one vibe to it with the old the old priest on the edge mm-hmm. of the bed. And I turned this, that, I don't want to spoil it, but like there is a, there's an immensely large character that a corrupted version of them is shown in this. And when I turned that page and saw that face, I was terrified. Look, yeah. As I think that was, that was the key right there. Oh, so scary. I'm looking at it now. It's so scary. Yeah. Uh, finally, a quick note. Uh, thanks to our chat with the incredible Twisted Twins, Jen, Sylvia, Saska. I've started a re, 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 reread of the initial volumes of Stepan Shage's Sunstone. And I gotta say that it reads even better knowing about how things go for Ali and Lisa in the books to follow, for good and bad. Uh, watching them fall in lust and in love and all the shenanigans that go with that. And considering it was a series that I was hesitant at picking up at first glance, it's not only one of the most well-crafted things I've read in the Tolkien comics era, but it's a work that opened up my mind regarding the whole culture we discussed last week. I We've talked about Sunstone a lot. Well, I've talked about it a lot over the years, including once the great shock from Steve and Bobby sitting in his apartment the first time I brought it up. I was like, Bob, what are you reading? Uh, <laughs> it is just a glorious book, and it's a wonderful exploration of just love and friendship and how that all works. So that's it for me for tonight. I remember when you first brought Sunstone, I was like, Bob, are you, uh, are you doing Xenoscope on us? What's <laughs> over here? But kind of I turned out to be very wrong about that series. The freaks come out at night. That's right. <laughs> um, who is the, who is the character in defenders beyond the red and yellow uh, kind of the antagonist of this issue. Uh, we're talking about Glorian. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Of dreams. Yeah, he can make all dreams come true. He goes way back into Defenders and Hulk lore from way, way back. Yeah. I love that he is like ripping off parts of his body. Yeah. And throwing them around to kind of create these alternate visions. Um, he doesn't need his whole the... head. Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like taking a piece of his bicep and. This comic is so strange and so trippy and so much fun to read. I think I like obviously artfully this has been just an absolute force every single issue, but I think story-wise this might have been my favorite of the bunch and there's only one left. Yeah. For this run. Um I would say it's a shame that it's ending, but I kind of I like that this pops up every now and again. Lasts for a couple of like rock solid issues, yeah, and then goes away for like another year and a half to two right. years. D- don't go fifteen issues that just meander. J- just stick the landing, move on. Bring us a new team next time around. Yeah, it's like you you figured out the story you wanted to tell. You got it down to a perfect five, and then you just you agreed to it and called yeah. it a day. And yeah, what is that story? 
the one they're telling I'm, now? Yeah, because I'm right there with I'm I'm all caught up. I, I read this issue as well, but I'm like, I if someone was to sit down and say, Hey, so what is this what is this arc about? I'm like, I, I Oh, I'm not know. gonna sit here and pretend to uh, no, know what's uh, going on because I don't my worries uh, must be there are a lot of pretty colors. You know. <laughs> yeah, and we get the Queen of Nevers from back in slot surfer thing. I think we are into I'm neither right nor wrong, probably more wrong than right. I think we're into the whole idea of possibilities and choices and so on, and that our cliffhanger brings us into, you know, the house of ideas. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think for me, the big thing with this series is that from page to page, I never know what I'm going to get. It is extremely unpredictable. And like I said, it's very trippy and very psychedelic. It's one of the rare occasions where being lost in the story and being kind of lost in confusion as I'm going along isn't necessarily bothering me because I'm having so much fun going through the motions and just finding out what's next that I'm kind of content to let it run its course. And then once it's done, I'll go back and I'll reread it. If I can't grasp it after another like full, you know, sit down in the afternoon and read all five together, if I still walk away from it, having no idea what's going on, then we can talk. But for right now, I'm, I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm also loving particularly that we have to wait to see. But there's the reaching back into America Chavez's real origin and the utopian parallel. And l- let's try to come on, Al Ewing, overwrite that that crappy miniseries, <laughs> please. Well, it sounded like they were the going to, like yeah, they literally. they baited it, and then yeah. it got snatched away. Yep, you literally that was literally going to be my only comment. I was like, my only my only quibble about it was that they leaned into the America Chavez thing. But yeah, but but what if that was them planting a seed and Mm -hmm. the next issue we get some like, you know, universe rewrites, especially with the power that's at their disposal with the eternity mask and stuff. That's what I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. They better water that seed and make it grow (laughs) grow real Uh, fast. I'm hoping. Let's hope. I was going to say, I also uh, enjoyed Batgirl number 11 as well. I caught up with this uh, over over the past week. It's such a fun series. I will say, though, and I think this is bizarre. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maps Mizuguchi is Becky Cloonan's character, correct? She yes, created her. Academy. And, right, and, her, and the brother Kyle, right. Did Maps come off reading differently to you than she has in the past? I haven't read in the this? Gotham Academy books in a long time. I think that was a darker book. At okay. some level, so that might be, but I have to go read that. I, I trust your judgment on such things. It was strange, and it, I, and I and I don't I don't get it because like obviously As younger this or is, how did you think she came off here? Well, she definitely appears younger in this. Um, like art art wise, she looks like she's de aged by like three to four years, uh, and I don't know. There's something about the way that. She reads and and I mean, obviously, she's still her. She's still mischievous. She's still doing the whole detective thing and everything. But there was something off about her in this. And I just think that's strange, considering that it's the original creator continuing to write her. I think it's more me than them. But the whole time I was reading it, I had to keep reminding myself that it was Becky Cloonan doing and Michael Conrad, of course, uh, 
doing this issue. And it yeah, like I Brendan said, Brendan Fletcher back in the day, right? Yeah, was he? I thought it was Becky Clorn and Brendan Fletcher. I don't then? know I about that. It might okay. have been. I thought that that was just back. No, man, now I'm getting confused. I'll have to look it up. I don't know. Like I said, I think it's more me than them. Um, and I, of course, we're only getting like guest spots for maps every once in a blue moon these days, right? Like, so I could be way off base and just not be remembering. I we need a proper maps book or mini, like a like a, a Velma style maps Mizuguchi book. Hey, they have enough amazing. Batman books. You could add one more. What the heck? Exactly. Thirty three Batmans a month. Who do cares? a webtoon? Do a DC webtoon? Ooh, ooh. Of Gotham maps. Academy returns maps and the crew. There you go. Go to it. You have the one for free, DC. <laughs> Make it for us. Um, that was a fun round of books, Bob. Nice job. Thank you. All right. Is it my turn? That leaves it to you. All right. We're going to get spooky in here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood for Halloween. I got my costume. I got a party to go to. That's right. Nobody asked me what I was doing for Halloween. Well, what are you doing for Halloween? Thank you, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to the Freaky Wizard in Barrie, Ontario, where our friends Jamie and Joam have their nerd shop that they run uh, D&D games and board games. They have an, an escape room in there. They have a bar. They have a coffee lounge. Uh, We are going there after hours with them, and we are doing karaoke and escape room shenanigans Mm. uh, in the in the shop. And then we're going to stay at Jamie and Joe's place uh, with like an air mattress or something. But um, we have our we we went shopping uh, last week and we got our costumes and we're going to look cool. And I'm really excited about it. I haven't seen Jamie or Joe in probably three years uh, so I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, getting together with a small group of very uh, like-minded and cautious friends uh, for some Halloween fun. What's your costume? Or don't you want to? I I, I don't, don't want to. I, I wore part of it last night on video when I recorded with. Uh, I did a, a episode with Thirsty on Tune and uh, Gotham Outsiders for Wayne Family Adventures. Uh-huh. And uh, Damien, Bronwyn, Damien? no, no, <laughs> but uh, Bronwyn, myself, and Chris, we all dressed up as like Batman ish or Batman adjacent uh, characters. It was oh, I, I bet I could guess. Uh, I don't know if you can. Uh, here we go Ace the Bat Hound. No, <laughs> no, but I do, I do have Ace the Bat Hound in my lightning round. Oh! Um, I, might as well, I might as well talk yep. about that right now because it'll yes. be super quick. Uh, I watched uh, DC uh, League of Super Pets. So much fun. It was amazing. It was fantastic. Um, Kate McKinnon, my God, what and it, just a tremendous yeah. villain. Uh, Lulu, Lex Luthor's uh, hairless <laughs> guinea pig that went evil. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and one of the things that I, I really love about DC is when DC decides, especially in their animated stuff to take the piss out of its own characters and just kind of rag on them innocently along the way and tell some really fun and dry jokes about their greatest heroes. And DC super pets has quite a bit of that throughout. 
And I just thought it was really charming, very, very well animated. Um, Kevin Hart's Ace the Bad Hound was probably my favorite character. Uh, right next to, uh, was it Mer- Merton the Turtle? Yes. Uh, Natasha Leone's uh, character. Mm-hmm. Just tremendous. It was it was a lot of fun, very cute. And I'm, I'm really happy to have seen it. Definitely one of my favorite DC movies overall. I had a blast with it. Moving along, Resonator, numbers 1 through 10. We'll talk about Resonator a little bit more in a bit. But this is written by David Andre, art by Alejandro Aragon, colors by Jason Wordy, and letters by Duran Bennett. A decade ago, first waves un- the first waves unleashed humanity's worst impulses, and the world plunged into chaos. Now, a single father named Paxton can resist the waves and he's created an oasis of peace for his children. However, supplies are running low, and Paxton is forced to venture out into the apocalypse, leaving his eldest daughter in charge of her two younger brothers. Unfortunately, not even a panic room can keep the three siblings from being invaded by a religious cult, cannibalistic marauders, and wildlife willing to tear anyone they find into pieces. Meanwhile... Paxton encounters trouble after being taken to a remote island full of maniacs, where he'll have to organize an uprising if he plans to escape and return home. I will double back and quickly clarify what the waves are all about. Essentially, the waves are a universal pulse that brings people's most violent thoughts and impulses to the surface. The only way to resist the waves is to empty your mind of negative thoughts And next to no one in the world is capable of achieving this level of peace, save for Paxton and maybe a few others. Uh, The waves can happen at any time. And unless you take precautions to immobilize yourself, you're likely to attack anyone within arm's reach during the seizure-like episodes of violence. Uh, It's really intense. Firstly, the art of Resonator is outstanding. Aragon's art reminds me of Lee Garbett, who was the artist of Skyward, Death of Doctor Strange, and some issues of Captain Marvel. For a style that shines particularly during the action sequences, there are tons of emotion from each character as they encounter one life-threatening situation to the next, and the environments are menacing and majestic in equal measure. Really, really great stuff. Um, I should say, through all of my lightning round, I loved everything that I read this week. So be prepared for a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, The story is paced to perfection. Andre is adept at creating nail-biting cliffhangers every couple of pages as the book leaps from Paxton's story to the kids back at home. There's about four different threads happening at any given time throughout the series, and they're all really exciting and engaging and could end poorly at any moment. I loved this. It's got representation on all sides from a black family being our primary protagonist to a one-legged heroine who takes a gro- takes on a grizzly bear with her arm braces and more. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the upcoming series adaptation that we'll talk about in the news. Uh, I picked up the first volume for $1.99 on Comixology. Uh, so if you want to get a taste, the cost of entry is super low and it's totally worth your time. Speaking of low, I didn't even plan this. Look at that. The Low, Low Woods, numbers one through six, written by Carmen Maria Mikado, with art by Danny and colors by Tamara Bonvion. There's something in the woods. 
Shudder to think Pennsylvania has been on fire for five years, for, for years, sorry. The woods are full of rabbits with human eyes, a deer woman who stalks hungry girls, and swaths of skinless men. And the people of Shudder to think, well, they're not doing so well either. When Ellen Octavia wave up in a movie theater with no memory of their last few hours, the two teenage dirtbags embark on a terrifying journey to uncover the truth about the strange town they call home. Prepare yourselves for dark reveals about why Shudder to Think is such a terrible place to live, and the dark secrets people will keep to disguise a sinister pattern of abuse that's been happening for generations. There are worse things out there than cryptids and risen dead. You might know some of them. They're your neighbors, law enforcement officials, classmates, and maybe even your parents. The Logo Woods is Emerald, Emerald Fennel's promising young woman thrown into a cauldron to help concoct a witch's revenge tale that will have you looking for the closest shower after you're done reading it. I did not expect to get a story as powerful as this when I started reading, reading this series. I was unprepared. I'm still thinking about this book almost a week out from reading it. Uh, Ellen and Octavia serve as outstanding queer leads, and I thought the story's resolution was satisfying and scary. In terms of art, Danny has this sort of unfinished minimalistic approach, with Bonvion taking up most of the space with their incredibly spooky autumn color palette and shadow-drenched environments. It's a cautionary tale that's perfect for the hol Halloween season, and I could see myself revisiting this one, like, year after year around this time there's a lot to unpack i really do want to reread it immediately it's great uh last but not least basket full of heads numbers one through seven uh, i should say that the lolo woods and basket full of heads are both a part of the hill house series uh under the dc black label this is all being presented and curated by joe hill uh, so Basketful of Heads is written by Joe Hill, illustrated by Leo Max, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Deron Bennett again. Uh, the blurb for this one is such. Heads will roll. June Branch is in trouble. She's trapped on Brody Island with nowhere to run. Her boyfriend Liam has been kidnapped, and four bloodthirsty escaped convicts will stop at nothing to find her. All poor June has to defend herself uh, with is a strange Viking axe with the terrifying power to decapitate a person and leave their head still talking. If Ooh. she's going to save Liam and herself, June will have to keep a cool head uh -huh. or even a whole basket full of them. <laughs> All right. Basketful of heads is some straight up tales from the crypt goodness. Throughout the story, June evolves from a fun and flirty girlfriend to a take-no-shit, cursed Viking axe-wielding final girl detective uncovering a Brody Island conspiracy. No one is to be trusted in this story, and you know how much I love that sort of thing. Uh, there are tons of twists and turns in this to keep you guessing as to what's going on and who's responsible uh, the art makes Basketful of Heads feel like an extended episode of Creep Show, with character and environment designs that remind me of Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez's Lock and Key. It's a very, very similar art style. Um, and I'll say it again, 
I really enjoyed everything that I read this week. They were the perfect stories to put me in the Halloween spirit. And I am done. Now, I, hear, uh, I hear a basket full of heads, and I just go to, you know, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia, or what was that, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag? From I go to Eight ago? Heads in a Duffel yeah. Bag with Joe Pesci. Yeah, yeah it was such a great movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I did immediately think of that when I, when I saw this. Um, and this Joe was Hill. Cool. Yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong with Joe Hill on, on Halloween? Yeah, Joe Hill. Joe Hill is he's he's quite good, and I mean, Basketful of Heads was just fun. It's a definitely a grisly premise, but like you have to remember whose heads you're chopping off in this story, and so the the commentary and banter of these severed heads in like a wicker, almost like going to grandma's house style basket that's covered with like a uh, pieces of a tattered American flag and this girl <laughs> running around kind of like Samara weaving style in uh ready or not with this like glowing Viking ax. And just every time that she thinks that she's found someone that she can trust and bring into the situation and help her, they in some way turn out to be a part of it. Spoilers. And it's, it just goes bad for her, but it goes worse for them. And and it's got a it's got a real nice short story like episode of a of a horror anthology series kind of thing to it, uh, and both Basketful of Heads and uh, the Low Low Woods are on the DC Infinite Plus Thousand whatever it's called app, and uh, you can read them in the uh, the Hill House section. They're all in there. Uh, I tried some of the other ones. I tried the Dollhouse thing i read about an issue of that i kind of bounced off of it a little bit and then uh, i can't remember what the other one was but i, I opened it and i saw some of the art and i was like yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll try one of the other ones but i landed on two gems i really really enjoyed basketball heads but i wholeheartedly recommend the lolo woods for anybody because it is it is very dark and it's one of those types of stories that you don't really know what it's about until you get to like the third or, or fourth issue. There are six wow. of them. And once you kind of start to see where it's headed, you kind of don't believe that it's going that way. And then by the end, you're like, oh, my God, this is a totally different story than what I thought I was reading. And it's like I said, I immediately want to read it again. Uh, I will revisit this probably around this time next year. Uh, to get like some like a fresh read on it and whatever, but it left me feeling kind of gross, but in a good way. Intrigued, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 in a good way. I don't know. My my emotions were all over the place. We also watched uh, the Fountain, the Darren Aronofsky's wow. The Fountain the Never other night. You ever seen that? No, that is a sad ass movie. That is a sad movie. Do not watch that movie if you okay. want to be in a good mood. It was excellent. It was just, it was really inspiring and very visually uh, ridiculous. But oh my God, I, it's about a, it's about a doctor, scientist trying to, originally trying to cure cancer because his wife is dying from, uh, from a tumor and he wants to, solve the equation of cancer before she dies. And in his quest to do that, ends up solving the equation for death itself. 
and it goes from there and it is just it is it is it is a movie it is a lot so but if you've seen movies like pie or requiem for a dream uh oh, yeah have both so yeah okay it, yeah um it, it, it gets sad especially when you're sitting on a couch watching it with your wife and just holding her hand the entire time because thoughts of us one day shuffling off this mortal coil and leaving the other one behind were crippling me for about an hour and 56 minutes you know, I go way back when I was a kid. They showed on television a lot. Uh, it's a movie called Death Takes a Holiday. Oh, yeah. With Frederick March. And mm-hmm. the same year he made Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and won the Academy Award. The only horror actor to ever win. I don't count Anthony Hopkins. Sorry. Sorry, Signs of Lambs fans. And it's, yeah, he decides to, I'm not going to let anyone die. And there are consequences to that. They remade it sure. with Brad Pitt as Meet, Meet Joe Black in a movie that took three and a half hours to, to tell you the same story they did in 70 minutes back in the 30s. But Woof. Th- that whole concept is mind-numbing, mind-boggling at the same time. It, it, it hits a lot of emotions. I'm, I'm with you, Steve. That was, yeah. You need someone to hold your hand through that. I luckily I did have someone to hold my hand throughout the movie, but as soon as it was over, we had to watch an episode of Schitt's Creek because I needed something, something joyous to bring me up before I was going to go and lay down uh, in bed and be alone with my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I just, man, I think about that stuff totally different now. When you get to Uh, my age. uh, Okay. All right. You know, (laughs) The actuary charts are not looking good for old cranky old Uncle Bob, all right? I'm just saying. Uh, he actually don't... say, ugh. <laughs> like, hold on. I can't think of those things right now. We've had it's so hard. many scares in the last, like, three years with this COVID crap. You got to get a phone. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah, you. I have a phone. You and your, you and your landline. Sitting right next to me. No. And the I'm one sorry. with the dial is in the cabinet to my left. I can actually what? dial people. I can dial a real dial. I can call it's Trina a, Robbins anytime I want with a dial. It's a grid. I don't need no stinking grid. Exactly. <laughs> grid. We'll, we'll talk about this off. When air. the grid goes down, I can still call people. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it'll it'll uh, be me and the survivalists and their bomb shelters, whatever, but it'll be, it'll, I'll be there. That's right. Oh, my last my last thing that I want to say, and I'll oh. keep it really brief. Um, Marvel Snap came out uh, on mobile devices on um, Apple, I guess, iOS and Android. If you have never tried a uh, card battling game akin to something like Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering, Marvel Snap is fantastic. Wow. Uh, all the cards are designed around Marvel characters, of course. And every card is assigned a power. Some of them have abilities. The rounds are super quick. You could play a game in probably in under three minutes. There are only six turns uh, per player. And it is one of the fastest, most fun things that I've played all year. Uh, It's free. Of course, you could pay in for it through buying microtransactions and stuff, but you don't have to. And the leveling and earning of free items is actually really really well designed um there is a cutoff of course because of course there are season passes and stuff like that but i didn't even think about it i bought the season pass for 10 bucks 
and I'm continuing to play it every single day. Uh, they're going to be adding some modes to it, hopefully, where you can play with your friends or you can team up with another person against two other people. Um, but if you've ever been curious about card battlers or have kind of bounced off of them in the past, you might want to give Marvel Snap a try because I find that dealing with the familiar characters and the familiar territory and like you go to different places in the Marvel universe in this game um, by way of like territories that are in the center of the board. And the object of the game is to gain enough power to control at least two of the three territories. And that's how you win. So it's kind of like um, risk. So yeah, like, like there's all these different strategies. Yeah, um, there's a snap system where you can actually bluff your way into earning more points from the from your opposing player. Big fan. Um, it is. It's re It's it's hard. It's fun, and it's really really rewarding, especially when you pull that snap button and you you grab like eight uh, cosmic cubes off of somebody, which right now is the max that you can get. Um, and you win the hand with with total bullshit. It is so, it's awesome. Um, I've played it every single day since it's come out, and I highly, highly recommend it. It's called Marvel Snap. It's fantastic. I I have a question though. Yes, it's gift buying season. This is something I can't buy physically though. No, but you could you could recommend it to people. Yeah, but I want to I want to buy like Cards Against Humanity. I want to buy a set of cards. No, and go to I was someone's thinking, house and play the game with somebody. No, I was thinking about this the other day, whether or not this would tran uh, translate to a physical card game. And I don't think so. Um, I think the the point system would get a little too hectic and the um, the territories uh, constantly like randomizing mm. and changing and moving and shifting like it it's ch it changes the rules on you a lot. And that's a lot of what makes the game like unpredictable okay. and fun, but you can tell them it's free. Yeah. It's not the same as to walk well, you know what? house with here. Let's play this. this. I bought this. Let's play. Right. Tell that. No, no, it, 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 there definitely is not that aspect of it, but um, if that's what you're looking to do, there are other things I could recommend to you. Uh, we'll talk off air or we could talk right. now if you want to just throw something at me. No, no. Um, later. We'll talk later. I'll, I'll tell you later. Cause there's, okay. there's a, there's a game that is like the one that I just described um that i played like two weeks ago at a friend's house uh called fantasy realms and it's it's pretty much the same thing um super easy to learn and we had a blast with it i've been looking for it cool. ever since and i have yet to find it but okay we'll see um Move and there's a certain one that you got to get but gotcha. anyway we could talk off air about that let's do some do we want to do black adam or news first joey now let's talk about black adam okay Joey, you can as a damn. <laughs> uh, Aaron, are you you gonna hang out for this? You don't care, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll read a book. <laughs> you pet, pet Mocha, it'll be great. All right, uh, for everybody else listening out there, uh, I guess we'll do what we normally do. We will talk general impressions first, and then if we want to get into spoilers, we can. Um, there will probably be at least one thing. That we'll talk about. That's a, a spoilery. It's been everywhere for the past couple of days. I don't know how you can't know about it. Um, yeah. But, that thing? Yeah, that thing. That thing. Um, so let's get into this here. Um, I can start. Please. I have I have some notes. So 
Overall no, impressions. No, no spoilers first. Overall, okay, okay. okay. No yeah, no, no, no spoilers. Um, okay. I, th- I know that this movie has some problems. I am well aware of that, and I and I will mention some of them. <laughs> I still had a really good time with this, and I will say, I think part of part of what has colored my my enjoyment of this movie is that I saw it with my friend Brad who doesn't know Black Adam from a hole in the wall and had absolutely no idea that this movie was even coming out before I invited him to go with me the other day. And he was just like, sure, I'll go. So we went and he had a blast with this. And so I think very much watching him enjoyment, watching him enjoy it, like I caught the enjoyment bug from him. And and we, we both really had a good time laughing and kind of getting into some of the characters and just appreciating some of the over-the-top ridiculousness that this movie offered from time to time. I thought it was interesting to see uh, Joan Colette Serra going from Jungle Cruise to this, because I thought Jungle Cruise was kind of crap. I know that it was made during the pandemic, but that movie looked like ass. And for all that this was very brown, gold, red, and black for a DC movie and the color palette that they tend to use. It looked a lot better on the screen that I saw it, that I saw it on rather than what I'd seen in the trailers. Um, Still very much what you'd expect, but it looked clean and it looked good. Uh, It looked like money was poured into it. So um, it was funnier than I thought it would be. There were, were moments, particularly in the middle kind of when Black Adam was getting his feet wet in the new world that I was laughing almost hysterically at one point, Uh, maybe driving a couple of jokes into the ground a bit, but it was kind of the absurdity of them running with the same jokes over and over again that eventually I broke and just thought that it was hysterical that they kept doing it. So that was kind of what was making me laugh. Uh, Black Adam's origin included a couple of twists that I thought made the story a little bit more interesting. Uh, decent curve for him going from who he is at the start to who he is at the end, but maybe not as much. Um, what else do I got here? Ba-ba-ba. Rock is still the rock. I did not expect him to make this like, you know, miracle acting turn that a lot of people were trying to make this out to be in the PR lead up to this, telling us that, you know, oh, you've never seen... Dwayne Johnson like this before he actually acts in that in this one um that was coming from their own people which I thought was a little weird uh I loved Cyclone I thought Cyclone was great uh I I really enjoyed Dr. Fate uh for as much as as we got from him I thought Adam Smasher was fine a little bit of a disappointment um kind of the the butt end of a lot of jokes the jokey man the you know token comic relief in the movie uh, I like Noah Centineo in general, so it helped that he was playing this character. But um, like a lot of the JSA, I felt like they were pretty underdeveloped um, throughout the film. Like we got to you know, like a one sentence explainer for how some of them got their powers. And that was kind of it. Um, Hawkman, I thought was pretty one dimensional. Uh, I kept I leaned over to Brad at one point and I said, how does a character look so badass and so lame at the same time? 
Um, but Aldous Hodge, still very, 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 very handsome, very, very cool actor. Um, I'm trying to wrap up here so someone else can go. I just want to, I liked Amon. I liked Adriana. Uncle Kareem, I thought was fun. Uh, that I won't spoil. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, I, I had a good time. I had a better time with it than I thought. When, when everybody comes back with all their negativity and, you know, all their childhood ruined and everything and complaining about it to no end and you set the bar low for yourself, you can go in and have a good time. And that's exactly what I had. So that was me. I'll talk some more as we go on. Uh, Joey, do you want to come in here? Sure. Um, As you all know how I feel about the Black Adam character to begin with, uh, and The Rock as well. I, I, I too kind of wanted to go in um, and just and just see see what we were gonna get. Um, I, I'll agree with you on some points. I thought that the movie looks great. I thought the CGI is fantastic. Um, you know, it's interesting because I was talking with a friend of mine, and he was like, "I really love the the CG in the Warner Brothers superhero Ooh. movies." And I'm like, that's interesting that you say that. But then as, as I was thinking about Black Adam, I'm like, actually, I kind of agree with you. And there's, there was a lot of like really great looking effects in here, especially with Dr. Fate and everything. The, but the one thing I can't get behind, and he and I went back and forth on this too, is I, I still can't get behind the physics of it. Like that's that's my problem with like the, the DC Warner Brothers superhero stuff is the physics of like the flying and everyone moves so fast and everything's in slow motion. Like that still takes me out of it a little bit, but I will agree with you that I think visually it's a really, it's a really great, the scope of it is, is really fantastic. Um, I'll agree with you on the JSA stuff. I, I think that here's what I'll say about the movie. I think the movie introduces a lot of elements that I think are very cool and could be very useful moving forward in, in a DC film universe, like the, the justice society, you know, uh, Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate, fantastic. Aldous Hodges, Hawkman, like you said, a little underwritten in the beginning. Think about halfway through, he's got some, some nuance to him. He gets there. He gets there. He felt kind of one note for me after a while. Like he kept making a joke with Adam special. You and me, you and me. Oh, I love that. I love that. That was like the, that was the one that was the yeah. one joke that landed for me actually Great. in the entire film. But, but, oh my God, the, when The Rock throws the dude and he's like, Did you kill him? And he looks behind him and the guy's still flying. He waits for him to land. He's like, Well, yeah, kind of now I did. Well, that's a great segue to my hugest criticism of the film that no! kept me out of it the whole time. Uh, you set yourself up for that one, Steve. You thought yeah. I was all positive, positive, and you, you took me there. I wasn't going to go there, but you took me there. Um, look. They keep pushing this film as Black Adam, the anti-hero. And look, I get it. That's like that's how you sell movies these days. Anti-hero. Even DC League of Super Pets had it at the end. Anti-hero. Blah blah blah. You know. Um, look, I am all for stories about like you know the Man in Black, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, Black Hat, Cowboy Rift thing that they're trying to do in the movie, and that they do often with these like anti-hero type stories. Right. My problem with the film. And with Black Adam as a character is that he is especially cruel for the first hour of this film. Like, I mean, like severed limbs, cruel, <laughs> like, like there are like, I did not need, I did not need severed limbs and like scorched exit wounds on like 
the bad guys. Like I get it. Like, Oh yeah, black Adam, he kills whatever, you know? And, and we could get into the, 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 the ideology of that in the spoiler section, but, but the cruelty of it in the first, like his first really 45 minutes to hour of the film, it, it really kept me from, from, from following him in the film moving forward. And, and that's part of why I think the justice society is in this movie to begin with is that because the way the character of black Adam is written, you, you, it's hard to root for him. It's hard to root for him. At least again, as me as a viewer, it's hard to root for him because he is so brutal, so brutal. And part of um, like, like, like Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman in the Snyderverse, like they kill people too, and I get that. But like, not they're, like not like cut, they're not like cutting people's arms off and yeah. like swinging around their head, like like that is not happening. So like, I get it, but I, I that that sequence just went on for a really long time, and I was like, how is he coming back from this? And then he doesn't really like he just keeps killing people for the whole movie, like the, like the back and forth discussion of like, should heroes murder people is like a key part of this movie. And they fall on a very interesting side of that debate in this mm. film, but we can get there in the spoilers. Um, I have issues with, I have issues with the kind of, um, I have issues with how the setting is used and some of the kind of like the reaches at being politically connected and and mm. and relevant like how it handles some of those things i think are very derivative and and in the worst case problematic and and again some of that is spoilery so i don't want to get into it too much um ultimately i think there were people in the theater who at the end of the film applauded and had a really great time i was not one of them um <laughs> I, 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 there are things that, like I said, I think the movie has some elements to it that I liked enough to want to see them again. There are two things that I'll say, and then Bob can talk. One <laughs> is we should have had Shazam versus black Adam. And then a black Adam spinoff movie. That, that is how I, I really feel that about it because I think that a lot of the conversation around like black Adam, kind of coming it coming of coming to terms with like not like how to be a hero that work needed to be done not in this movie if he's going to be the protagonist of this movie yeah. so so i think if you had had black adam with shazam and then black adam kind of like the yin and yang of learn works, like yep. learn it and yep. then and then he gets to be the hero in this movie because that's the thing that i was missing for me like he was he didn't get to be he didn't feel like a protagonist. He felt like a villain in this movie. And I get that that's kind of the point, but I don't know. I don't know if it was handled or the, the, the writing directing and star were able to handle the necessary nuance to do that. Like, like John Bernthal's Punisher had two seasons and even still, he still, it's hard to root for him, but that's by design. You know, I like, I, 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 I wonder about that. And the second thing is, I really hate Warner Brothers trailers because like they always cut these trailers that give away so much of the story. And Steve, you were saying like, there's a, there's like a twist in his origin story that like I, I, when it happened, I was like, that is a great storytelling move that was already spoiled in the trailers. And, and I'm really bummed about that because I think that like, 
this movie had something that it was trying to do there with that character and that turn. But Warner Brothers was like, no, let's cut this trailer because it's how we have to sell the. And I was like, what? Like, why? You didn't have to tell me that part of his origin. We might have guessed it, but you might not have as well. Exactly. And it would have been so much fun. And it colors like his choices Mm -hmm. in the film. But because I knew it in the trailer, I didn't need it. Like I like the movie started and I was like, oh, I already know what this is. And, And to be honest, it did kind of like undercut some of the the potential to to change my opinion about some of these these issues that I have with the film. So Steve to your to your friend's point who might not have watched the trailers or had no familiar with the character, None, that yeah. twist probably worked for him and made the character work, but because I had seen the literal trailer for this movie, <laughs> yeah. like I like I I I I was like I this is it's not working for me. So so I'm mad at Warner Brothers for cutting <laughs> trailers that spoil films cuz I think they do that often. Because they think that like that's how the movie has to get sold, well, and I'm like, stop doing that. It's funny that you mentioned uh, trailers, and then Bob, you can jump in here. But one of the things that when I came back from the movie, um, Bronwyn obviously didn't go with me to go and see Black Adam, and it's because she has had no interest in going to see this movie. So she stayed home. Brad went with me. Yada yada. Anyway, um, I was kind of talking to her about the movie, and you know, sharing my thoughts and telling her some of the beats of what it's about. And I get the end of the conversation. She's like, you know, the movie that you described to me is not the movie that's being promoted in those trailers. She's like, I actually kind of want to see this now. And it's the trailers did absolutely zero for her. So I, I don't don't know. Trailers. They don't cut, they they (laughs) cut trailers that spoil things and they cut trailers that are trying to market it a particular way that often is not correlated to what you actually see. So it's like this weird, this like, it's, it's like a weird, like you can't have your cake or eat it. It's like, it's like, we're, we're not only going to spoil the movie, but we're going to spoil a movie that you think is one thing, but actually ends up being something else. Yeah. Which for me, for me ultimately, and this will be my last thought is Mm -hmm. that for me, ultimately the movie was kind of this, it was very, it was like one note. I don't want to use the word humorless because I don't think that's true. And I, and I, I don't want to use that word kind of like dull because I don't think that's true either, but it just felt flat to me from beginning to end. And part of it is because some things were spoiled in the literal trailer that took me out of it. And other parts were, I think that like their commitment to doing this kind of like, he's a villain story, but the villain is really the hero. I don't think had enough nuance and complexity to really carry me through what is actually a long film for, for this kind of genre. Um, Like, and, and I'll say like, and I rarely do this, but like (laughs) Mm -hmm. at about an hour in, I checked my phone just to be like, how long, how long is, how long have I been here? Too long. And I, and I, and and I, and it felt like, it felt like a long time because I just watched this dude like sever a bunch of limbs for an hour and I was like, we still have a whole other hour left. And I will say the back half a little bit better than the first hour, but I don't know. It just, it fell flat for me, not for everyone in the theater. So I do want to kind of echo that. Like there are some people that are going to have a really good time with this and like fair. It's not like Morbius where I felt like literally all of us, what is the line from Billy Madison? We are all dumber for having listened to this answer, <laughs> right? Like that's how I felt in Morbius. Like, I don't think that's black Adam. 
Um, but I, for me, it was just kind of a, a flat experience from beginning to end. Okay. All right, Bob. Uh, mentioning Morbius, I might have had a better time at Morbius. Oh, no! I am just saying. But first of all, I was in a theater. I saw it at 4 o'clock Friday with about eight people in the audience and a very interesting crowd where there were people laughing hysterically while limbs were severed. (laughs) There were five old ladies behind me, it sounded like, who just talked through the entire movie. Oh, that sucks. Which is which but they were five or six rows back, and just behind me were people who were definitely fans of The Rock, who were thrilled at every bit of violence he unleashed on everybody that was going. So like, all right, I'm in this crowd, I'm sitting with my popcorn, I'm gonna go. So um uh, first thing I want to say is no one's childhood was ruined because no one who knows who Black Adam is. <laughs> so let's just let's just put that out there. Um, and also let me preface this with a big for me, so as not to get anyone's knickers in a twist as we have in the past with DC reviews. To start, I I found it visually not very interesting. The usual browns and orange. Um, CGI not awful nothing special flight scenes were kind of yeah it's what I'm anticipating and you spent 200 million dollars whatever you did great whatever story wise was there one it's a MacGuffin with sidebars (laughs) it's here's this thing and we're going to chase it through three and a half acts and back and forth and it gets lost and comes back and and then we'll reference it once in a while because this is what they don't chase it. They have it with them the whole time. And they keep, (laughs) (laughs) um, in this story, depth, no redemption, uh, no, um, the usual third, third and a half act DC nonsense, a badly rendered big bad. Will they ever kind of learn or we just keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And look, not that Marvel doesn't too, but you can look at James Brolin's, James Brolin's, uh, it's this or that. Um, Josh Brolin's? Josh Brolin's Thanos. And actually get something. Not that you care, but there are people who actually said, well, maybe Thanos is right. No, he's not. But there was a debate. Whether it's Steppenwolf or this guy, I mean, who really cares? I mean, honestly. Um, Lots of murdering, even for a DC movie. I mean, uh, and I I guess uh, I'll I'll go back to the True Lies line where the the drugged up Arnold is explained to Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Yes, but they were all bad. (laughs) Doesn't matter. It's just terrible. And it goes on and on and on. And look, I am not a huge fan of Dwayne Johnson. Don't care. I know, Steve, you, you recommended I watch Rampage, and I hated it. I'm sorry. Oh, um, Rampage was fun. They they have taken here one of the most charismatic performers on the planet and made him into a non-funny version of Drax the Destroyer for 45 minutes of terrible thrown-off lines that mean nothing. 
I don't care. I was, as Joey says, I don't look at my phone. I looked at my watch, looked at my popcorn. Should I get a refill? Should I buy some more popcorn? D- done. Completely done. <laughs> moving, moving into really nerdy stuff. Why are these people in this movie the Justice Society, in quotes? Who are they? Why should we care? And as a person who is a huge Justice Society fan, since Justice League of America 21 from 1963, my copy is sitting here in front of me as we say this. I own all the own original Crisis crossovers, all the reprints, all the all-star comics from the 40s and the 70s and John stuff. It broke my heart to see them as tools of Amanda Waller. That is not who they are. That is not the proper introduction to these characters who've been around longer than anyone who's ever worked on this gosh darn movie. Has anyone actually read a JSA comic who wrote this? Who filmed this? I say no. So, look, Pierce Brosnan's the best thing in this movie for me. I disliked all of this. And that's it for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll move into spoiler territory now. Uh, I don't know that we have much, but uh, Mm -hmm. if you don't want to know any of the specifics about Black Adam, you have until three, two... One. Oh, I'm two. going now. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm not going anywhere. Um, so no, there are a couple so, things. Oh, go ahead, Joey. No, I just I, I just had two quick things. Because, again, I, I it's actually not a real movie that you could spoil. Because as Bob was saying, like, if you've seen... if you, It's funny because, like, a couple months ago, I watched that uh, Conan movie that Jason Momoa was in. <laughs> oh, and I was like, this is that movie. Like, it's like, beat for beat that movie. Or, like, Hellboy. I rewatched the David mm-hmm. Harbour Hellboy. And I was like, this is that movie, too. Um, so it's like, again, it's like this... this there's these like recycled plot elements, but anyway, um, the JS, the junior, the junior society, the justice society stuff. I, I, like I said, I think that those characters are so interesting. I felt like Cyclone and Adam Smasher again, like interesting characters, totally not even secondary, like tertiary, if relevant at all to this yeah. plot. And like Cyclone visually cool does the same thing in her like four action scenes. Oh, oh, so it majestic. Looks, it looks so beautiful, but I'm like, dude like you didn't even need to be here like what do you like and same thing with adam smasher like visually really cool and and the 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 growing looks great like potential for that character but again totally tertiary you could have done this whole movie with just hawkman and dr fate just like showing up and it would have been exactly the same you know so and also like hawkman for having that giant mansion he's got like three friends and like two of them aren't even really his (laughs) friends so it's like so i was like what is his x-men mansion out there with his his blackbird oh i think they definitely took over charles's school when he left yeah like (laughs) honestly like don't like don't even do the justice society just have like hawkman and dr fate show up like in response like that like there's nothing wrong with that you can have these kind of like team up moments but anyway that's besides the point. I love that Viola Davis as Amanda Waller just like yes. keeps showing up for yes. these like for these like speak to camera wonders where she just does exposition, cuts a paycheck, and leaves. Like that I think was that for her. Good for incredible. her. Good for her as the actress. Yes, right. Getting her bag. Like she just like shows up in all these movies. They keep calling her up, and she's like, "Hey, can you come do Amanda Waller? How like, much do I get in your bag?" 
like all you gotta do is like in your bathroom just like set up a self-tape like it will send you the line <laughs> that's all it is bucks, yeah, I, go right ahead yeah go i up. adore that for her i think that's so incredible um and it's just i think it's so funny that that happens um let me just say what i was kind of like alluding to with the kind of setting with the conduct setting mm-hmm. like the conduct setting you know, they set it up at the beginning. It's very interesting. Not in the beginning, after the extended flashback in the modern day, they set it up as this kind of like Middle East corollary where like foreign powers and army have come in, mm-hmm. like neo-imperialism. Like it's all set up and it's like, wow, this is actually really interesting. But the movie's not bold enough to do anything with that because like, it's like, you know, who who's really doing that in the middle? Like America. But they're not gonna make America yeah. the bad guys. And it's like the inter it's like the international inter- intergang, gang. all white guys with blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, and they have that goofy like segment where like the four guys are like, Well said you do it. And they like all do a different accent just to like reinforce yeah. for the audience that like, no, it's not Americans. It's all yeah. different people from around the world that are oppressing these, you know, Middle Eastern, vaguely Middle Eastern people, right? Like so like it, it, there's like this setup of, of conduct being this thing that's really interesting, but never capitalized on. And, you know, it, and then it wants to be this like liberation narrative where it's like, we have this liberator who comes and is going to free us from us. The, yep. the, 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 the colonizer. And it's like, I'm with you. Like, this is interesting. And this is like, again, it's like prescient right now. And it's an interesting story. But I think that there is something, to, and like I said, on on like the forgiving end of the spectrum, derivative, and then on the unforgiving side of the spectrum, problematic, of equating kind of like freeing yourself from the colonizer with like the murderous rampage and extreme mm. violence of one individual, right? Like, so like, th- I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's like this one wa- again, wanting to have it both ways where it's like, we want to liberate ourselves. Yes. But we want extreme violence. We can be radicalized at the that, same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that equation, I think is, I, I do take some issue with partly because also in this film, like the the people of Kondak, the Kondakians or whatever we're calling them, um, they're never really named. But like the people of Kondak, do not fight the oppressor. Like they they fight the Jason and the Argonaut skeletons <laughs> at the end yeah. of the movie. <laughs> But they don't fight the intergang. The interganger no. kind of disappear after the first hour because the rock cuts all their limbs off and burns them with lightning. And then I get like, so like, so like there's like, it, it, again, it, it wants to present this, this really interesting kind of ideological question at the center, right? Like to what extent is violence justified to free yourself from oppression? And I'm like, that's interesting, right? But again, like the film doesn't have the capacity. There's no craft enough to do it, right? to do it because when the people do pick up arms at the end of the film, they're not fighting their oppressor because the, 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 the movie that they have made forgets about the oppressor halfway through and instead takes us to fight this devil man. Um, the third act CG is, monster guy, which yeah. is again, like 
look, when The Rock tore that guy in half and magma poured out, I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. But again, I was like, what? Like, why is this happening? Is that the so payoff like, to the story we're exactly? Yeah. And I was like, that. And then like you have this moment at the very end of the film where like he smashes the throne, and I'm like, okay, like that's a Lovely. that's a very interesting ending to this movie. But how we got there, I don't know. So like again, like there's setup and there's a potential, but I, I don't think the movie is bold enough or has the capacity to deal thoughtfully with the things that it tries to set up All because fair. because i think black adam is presented so as so as so kind of like callously violent in the in the in the beginning callously of the is that's a great word joey yeah 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 the, and and like with hawkman like there's a there's a back and forth about like don't kill how much violence is necessary but the movie doesn't really land meaningfully on either side and if it does land on a side it is on the side the of violence. like <laughs> violence yes. and i'm like ow oh, like i i get that impulse and i get the impulse to say like kill everyone they were like, all bad <laughs> there's a great yeah. message there that we can't nuance it enough within this context yeah. and that's a, it's that's really shame. hard because like again like there's like and that's what i think some like there is a there is a, de, a there's a conversation to be had there like you know and and like the beginning of the movie like it's like it's almost there but then it's not and then it disappears and then at the end of the movie they return to it and i'm like ah we didn't earn really? this yet yeah so i don't know i don't know steve <laughs> uh uh anyway you had some more sports yeah, yeah i'm about. out here on an island all by myself no i, no, I don't want to say that, like, more positive than i am i'm pretty negative no, I think yeah. you. I think you both raise a lot of good points. Um, I will say that I thought that there were some fun and surprising cameos. You mentioned the Viola Davis one. We also got Harcourt in this movie. Oh up yeah! For a couple minutes. I was like Peacemaker. Yes. <laughs> like little things like that that made this. I didn't. The one thing that I I brought to Black Adam was that I didn't expect it to feel like it was a part of the DC universe. Like I don't know Black Adam at all, and I don't know the JSA at all. And so, like Brad, I kind of went into this very much like an unknown, having no idea what to expect, and then seeing these characters, and it was brief. But like there was at least three or four cameos or name drops or something that connected it to some of the funner aspects of the DCEU that was like, oh, cool. Look, like I just watched her in Peacemaker. She's great. And like all of a sudden she's here. And that's a cool little thing. Like if you know, you know, kind of uh, thing. Yeah. And um, yeah. so I thought that was fun. I liked Cyclone. I do agree with you that, like I said, I think the JSA as a whole in this movie was very underdeveloped, but the camera loved uh, Quinte uh, Quintessa Swindell in oh, yeah. this movie. And every time she did her Cyclone stuff, um, I loved the pop of color that we oh, yeah. got with her, her emerald green dress and her purple, and purple? scarves mm. and like her just like majestically coming out of the bottom of that plane and doing her nanobot cyclone thing and the camera slowing down and zooming in on her gorgeous hair 
And she just, she looked like an angel every time that she was on camera. And I was like, she's cool. And her outfits were also fantastic. The stuff she was wearing before uh, she got into her superhero gear was very like Dorothy from Oz kind of stuff. It's, from and the I, Je- I it's it. all from the Jeff Johns period. You've got yeah, to read some to... Jeff Johns JSA yeah. because you will, you will, the, the, the phrase in Yish is you will plot. Okay. The movie did make me want to go read Dr. Fate stuff mm-hmm. and Justice Society stuff. Not I, Black Adam stuff, because yeah, again, exactly. I, I think Black Adam is the villain in this movie for a lot of it, but but I I I, I it, it, this movie did make me want to go read mm-hmm. the comics. Well, now that I have uh DC Infinite, you know, compendium, yes. I can yeah, go yeah. in and 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 I was actually what I was going to ask you guys off air is like what is some JSA stuff I should be reading? Jeff Jones. Um just All right, I'll Jeff, read the Jeff Jones. Jones stuff. Yeah. I'll start it tonight. And it's also it's also uh, modern enough that some of that, like like I was talking about before, like that Silver Age compressed storytelling that can be like really dense, and so much is happening. It's it's much more. Yeah, I, I'm not stuff, sending so it back to All Star Comics from the 40s. I would never do that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, I got two two more super quick things to say, and then we'll we'll make a decision about the rest of the show. Um, no, what? Maybe it's just my terrible memory, or maybe I wasn't listening. I don't know. Did they give any background for Hawkman in this movie? Because this no. dude just kind of shows up. No, no. Dude. None, of his, none of his up. reincarnations, none of that grand he history. Gets, there's an ass kicked in this movie. He gets yeah. thrown through as, the as, as he should. He is not at that power level. But like, what is his power set? Nothing. He has he's fancy weapons and he's from, well, it that, in the Silver guard. Age, he's from... It, yeah. Okay, from the they, golden age, he's just a guy. He's he comes off as indestructible. No, in this. he he they, comes off as like a Superman in a Hawkman suit. They allude to him and Doctor Fate being like a century old. Like, like they yeah. allude to Hawkman having been that, around yeah. for a long time, and, and Doctor Fate yeah. being like, you know, I was alive during World War II, and and you know, I've lived a long life, and they've been in this Justice Society for a very long time. So they allude to that, but besides that, there's really no background on 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 really any of them. No, so and Henry Winkler. Yeah, Henry Winkler, that was fun. That was that fun. was my other thing that I was going to say is the random Henry Henry Winkler. Well, the the Adam Smasher is the descendant of the original Adam Al Pratt, who's a five foot three inch guy with an atomic punch from the forties. It's a little guy who can really scrap. All right, I the the Henry Winkler thing kind of threw me. Well, when, when uh, that, that was a that was a good moment for me. Yeah, was, it no, it was fun. It was great. I just. It was so random. I was like, the hell is Henry Winkler doing here? He's the Adam. <laughs> He's the Adam. Before Ray Palmer, it was it was him. I'm yeah. gonna go and check out the the Jeff Johns stuff. All right, let's And do let's you, see would you yourself a favor? Watch some Star Girl. You wanna see JSA? That's oh yeah, where I've they got are. some Star Girl. I got uh, the first Imagine two if um what's the boxer guy? The Ted Grant, Wildcat. Ted Grant. Imagine if Ted Grant was in in this movie, just like trying to box with Black Adam. That would have been amazing. <laughs> He'd probably do as well as Hawkman. So there you go. Yeah, that would have right. been fun. All right, that's enough. Black Adam. Go see it. Make your own opinions, uh, or wait until it's on HBO Max or Blu-ray, whatever you choose. Lots of news stories. We're going to go through a few of these relatively quickly. Um, I mentioned earlier. 
that Resonant is being turned into a series that is the Vault comic series is going to be going to TV. This is actually going to be made by the first Purge filmmaker, Gerard McMurray, is going to be adapting this. And this is happening at CBS Studios and Ridley Scott Scott Free Productions. Ooh. And they're doing this for BET+. Plus. So I've never heard of that before, but... Regardless, uh, after reading, and I did read the series because they announced this, uh, I wanted to know what it was all about Mm -hmm. and ended up being more than pleasantly surprised to find out that it's totally badass. And if they do this justice, it it will be something worth tuning in for because the the comic was spectacular. Cool. So um, anybody um, interested in seeing this? I am now did that you, you spoke B-E-T it that way. Plus? Cool. All right. I did my job. Did you say BET plus as in black entertainment television plus? I did. Wow. Look at that. I know. Um, yeah, they're getting in they're getting into the game. I mean, they're already in it, but th- this is this is kind of new territory for them. Yeah. And well, uh he's well, also attached to, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's also adapting um Black AF for uh Black Mask oh. Studios as well. Interesting. Yeah, so he's he's getting in there. Uh, Gerard McMurray and I liked I liked the first Purge. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Purge series, but the first Purge movie uh, was was one of the better ones. I thought. Uh, all right, let's move on. This one we can do super quick. We'll save some of the bigger ones for last. Um, oh my God, I can't remember who tweeted this to us. I'd have to look on the account, but uh, thank you. Award-winning I Kill Giants team returns in January 2023 with a new series called Immortal Sergeant. Sold. So the, the the story of Immortal Sergeant is based loosely on aspects of my life. Uh, dramatized and punched up to be more exciting, but it was emotionally challenging to write, says Joe Kelly, uh, co-creator of I Kill Giants. Big comic book around here. Uh, I knew that Ken was the only person who could bring the book to life with the heart, comedy, and impact I'd hoped to convey. He knocked it out of the park. Uh, Here's the little blurb for this. On the eve of his unwelcome retirement, Jim Sargent, a grizzled old-school detective, catches a break on a murder case that haunted him for decades. Unfortunately, Sarge must drag his anxiety-riddled adult son, Michael, along for the ride or risk losing the lead forever. Can this dysfunctional duo overcome their own hangups, blind spots, and secrets to catch a killer? That sounds amazing. I want to read this. All right. Um, anybody, anybody else can check this out? Me. Thank you, Bob. Yes. Quiet over there. All right. Moving on. Um, I mean, this story went absolutely nowhere for me. I don't know if anybody else is interested. Uh, the Geiger comic series is getting a TV adaptation from Joe Simon and uh, Joe Simeon and sorry, uh, I Justin Joe Simon was dead. He's about 100, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Justin <laughs> Simeon, Jeff Johns, and Paramount Television. I've seen this advertised on New Comic Book Day when I'm buying my comics like 100,000 times, but I don't know anything about it. I've never read, I've read it. it. I read it. Yeah, it, I read it, but I don't know if it warrants a series, to be 100% honest with you. It's sort of this new age. Remember when I was going through my post-apocalyptic phase? <laughs> so it's one of those, 
and there's just an individual who acquires certain abilities because of you know the the event that created this post-apocalyptic era and i don't know if it's enough to warrant a series to be honest with you mm-hmm. um, i enjoyed it but i don't know if there are many the hooks translate to television so we'll see right uh johns is writing the pilot he's serving as the showrunner he's executive producing alongside a couple of other people uh yeah i don't know i don't i don't even know where like where is this going oh paramount all right so it's gonna be it's gonna be a paramount plus thing eventually i would think um yeah i don't know it's set into 2050 Geiger centers around a radioactive family man named Tariq Geiger who spends his days and nights doing anything he must to protect the fallout shelter housing his family. When Geiger fights off a group of violent scavengers, he faces the wrath of the criminal empire they are connected to. Yeah, except they left out one major part, but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Could be cool. I'll, you know, I'll check out a trailer. We can uh, we can talk about it then. Um, moving on, I didn't post the article for this in the show notes. I just wrote the bullet points for this, uh, stolen from fandom for the most part. But, uh, so DC or rather the Hollywood reporter came out with a big article about DC's future plans, um, or not even necessarily that, but like, they just kind of stuffed all of this stuff, like two thirds of the way down in this article. Uh, and it's pretty big news and it just kind of went in this other, I don't know. It was a weird, it was a weird way to roll this out anyway. Uh, so apparently DC has already written the flash two. I, mm, I have two. I don't He's know 26 years in prison. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I mean, they could have written this while they were writing flash. Uh, the first one can like thinking that it wasn't going to have all the problems attached to it um, because of Ezra Miller and otherwise, but Flash 2 is already written. Uh, Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill uh, coming back as Superman uh, is also happening. Wonder Woman 3, they use the term scriptment coming soon, which I do not approve of the word scriptment. You need to stop that. Stop that right now. Uh, at least one new James Gunn movie. This we think we kind of already knew. Uh, Emerald and this this sucks. Emerald Fennel's uh, Satana movie script is being scrapped. So not surprising at all. But the filmmaker behind Promising Young Woman was doing a Zatanna movie, and now we're not, not getting anymore. It. Like, just as I've said many a time, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see a trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I that the the Henry Cavill stuff. Um, that Holly, it's a Hollywood Reporter piece, right? Yeah. That the Henry Cavill stuff is interesting because that Hollywood Reporter piece came out like last week. Yeah. And my understanding from like I think Deadline and Variety is that Cavill like just agreed to doing more than just the cameo at Black Adam. So the fact that they have a, a Man of Steel thing ready to go i think is surprising flash they could salvage because ezra plays barry allen and we got wally you know like they could just flip something all in flashpoint or what is it is it called flashpoint what is the flash movie called flash Flash. 
Flash. Yeah. Like they, they could do something and just move us over to Wally West and be done with it. You know, like there's nothing necessarily keeping us with the Barry Allen character in the event that um Ezra Miller um goes goes the way that 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 <laughs> the wind is pointing. Um and and we still haven't even seen that movie yet, so who knows? But I I I will believe it when I see a trailer. Yeah, it's kind of wild. The The whole Henry Cavill Superman, that's another one of the stories that we have on the notes here. Uh, he confirmed that he's coming back as Superman today. But like Joey was saying, this other Hollywood Reporter story dropped last week, kind of letting the cat out of the bag. Uh, and by the way, this says um, Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill seeking writers. So they haven't written it yet. Gotcha. Um, they didn't write the first but, one yet either, so that's not a problem. Um, spoilers. For, I mean, this is everywhere, but spoilers for Black Adam again. Um, Henry Cavill does show up as Superman in Black Adam. And so that like he came onto his social media today and he said, oh, I wanted to wait until after the weekend to let everybody know that officially I'm back and I'm very excited and I'm in the blue and red suit and we're. You know, this is just a taste of things to come, so on and so forth. So he loves playing the character. He's all in and DC doesn't want to recast him. And they, you know, people out there that are a big part of their audience, they want more Henry Cavill as Superman. And I, so I've said in the past, I saw, I saw him in a con with the entire Justice League on a panel, except for Affleck, who was shooting another movie. And he said all the right things about Superman. The thing of it is, the mm-hmm. movies he's been in have said nothing good yeah. about Superman. Yeah. So I'm hoping we we can actually move forward into the character that we love from whether it was Christopher Reeve or George Reeves before that. I I just look at the, this this slate of films, including some others, the Rogues Gallery spinoffs that that we talked we've talked about before. So oh, we, we didn't get have, to those yet. We can have a flash. What we did we did in in path maybe it was off air. Um, we can have a Flash too, but we can't have Zatanna, and we can't have Batgirl. So uh, bite me. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> I, I think all of that all of that is garbage. Uh, and as Bob mentioned, the last bit on uh, this DC stuff is the Matt Reeves uh, spinoff films. So they're not necessarily doing all three of these. I think that these are villains that are up for possible films. Um, I don't know if we're going to see all of them, but the the villains that they're looking at right now for spinoff movies are Scarecrow, Clayface, and Professor Pig. Uh, Ivy, Hell yeah, Catwoman. Um, can we can we go down the list of other people they might use? Oh my God, Calendar Man. You- they threw a Professor Pig before. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> poison Ivy. Give me a Poison Ivy movie. Poison oh, Ivy. Oh God, that's hysterical to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I selfishly though, I do want my Clayface movie. Yeah, but the, what, which Clayface are you gonna get? The one from the animated series? I don't think so. Oh, that's what I want. Kite Man. Get kite Man. Give me Kite Man. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but I go back to like spinoff films. What it says. Or spinoff series. What does it say? Films. I, I, it says films. 
This is what I'm saying. Like, and 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 I I've been saying it for. It feels like again we're just yelling into the, yes, the ether are. here yes, on the podcast. Are. But it's like, it's like it's like the freaking Sinister Six movie that they keep trying to make. <laughs> and it's like, it's like what? Like what is this? What is this impulse here to make hundred million dollar films about B list villains without the hero? Like. I'm, presumably Robert Pattinson is in these movies. He's a so why aren't they just called? Why aren't they just called Batman versus Kite Man? Like, yeah. yeah, like I don't understand. Like, what, what, what the logic is here to flood the market with these these villain centric films? But a ninety million dollar Batgirl movie with Michael Keaton as Batman, we can't release. I, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. regardless. Regardless, let's, I'll believe uh, it when I see a trailer. Let's go back to where you called Clayface a B-level villain. You're you're right. He's C-level. <laughs> oh my god, no! <laughs> Talk about my boy like that. Um, I don't know what we're gonna get from these. I think that that Matt Reeves really wants an excuse to play with these characters, and they might not necessarily <laughs> be a part of the Batman plan. So if there is a the Batman plan, because I still I think, haven't said anything about a the Batman too. I think there is. Well, they they did say that they were going to let him pretty much do whatever he wants. Uh, a couple like three weeks ago or so, when we were doing this stuff again, um, David Zaslav said that he had basically carte blanche to do whatever he wanted with yeah. like blank check for the Batman stuff because they absolutely loved the reception to his, you know, the first movie that he put out. Anyway, like you said, Joey, nothing exists until it's either in theaters or on HBO Max and we actually see it. Or maybe it does exist and they spend $90 million on it and make, you know, almost <laughs> all of the uh, the corrections that they need to and then they don't release it. No, that would anyway. happen if it's a Batman movie. Batman we, movie. We did get a trailer this week. Yes, we did. A yes. lovely trailer. Last, but certainly not least, uh, Marvel, surprisingly, out of nowhere, dropped a trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania uh, on Monday this week. And it was delightful and wacky. And it looks like we're going to be going somewhere very different in the Marvel Universe and that the vast majority of this movie takes place in that universe, in the quantum realm. And the just glut of strange populous characters, mm -hmm. just the weird people you see running around this realm. I am here for it. Uh, this movie looks like a lot of fun. Love to see Catherine Newton now in the MCU. I think she's a great actress, a lot of fun. Um, I'm very excited for this. Bob, what do you think? Um, excited is exactly the word. You, you've got this crazy place we haven't really been to except for a couple of minutes with Michelle Pfeiffer's character. And now you've got Cassie involved, grown up. She's got a suit. We've got some Marvel pseudoscience. Are we spoiling here? I mean, it's a trailer. Okay. We've got Bill Murray. Okay. Uh, we have Kang and a very serious Kang with Jonathan Majors. And it, look, I saw lots of bug people. I'm going a nihilist. I'm just saying. Get out of town. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Okay. 
Uh, Joey, did you check it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's. It's great. Uh, you know, I. I love the Ant Man movies because. Um, you know, it's crazy that we started with a heist back in Ant Man yeah. One, <laughs> and now here we are. You know, doing this whole crazy like I was getting Star Wars vibes, Star Trek mm-hmm. vibes, like high space fantasy. But of course, we're in the quantum realm, which is fascinating, right? Um, I, I, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think the stakes are higher than really anything we've seen so far. It's only a few months away. February is not that yeah. far. Um, I, I, I love that everyone, like the, the Pim Van Dyne family, Lang family, right? They wear like the frumpiest clothes. Like they're just in like <laughs> sweaters and like jeans all the time. It's because it's just, it's just Frisco, like, they're just you know? like yeah. yeah, they're just like regular people who just get like sucked into the quantum realm and like uh, can shrink and grow. And I, I think that's something that I think is always what a uh, such been a, such a great part of that corner of the the franchise. Um, no, I'm really interested to see how it it plays out. I think Jonathan Majors is an amazing talent. Uh, the the sidebar trailer for creed 3 came out i love those creed movies yeah. john majors in that one too so he's he's enjoying a nice little um career you know renaissance not even renaissance career you know breakout this year so i'm, I'm really excited to uh continue to follow him there um yeah this is starting phase five i think right this uh quantum mania mm-hmm. movie so we'll get into it all right aaron did you uh happen to check out the trailer uh yeah uh, so I will be honest. I never loved the first two. Don't get me wrong. I liked them. I wasn't gaga over them. Um, I enjoyed them. I don't regret seeing them, but I wasn't gaga over them primarily because I think sometimes a little bit of Paul Rudd goes a long way. However, I was 100% in with this trailer because I, I think if this movie delivers what, you know, hopefully this trailer, and now I'm nervous now because of Joey's rant about trailers. If this movie delivers what I think the trailer promises, then it would probably allow me to go back and watch all three back to back and sort of enjoy them all a little bit differently, um, knowing sort of where things are going. So I really, I really enjoyed this trailer. I love seeing Cassie. I love seeing the scope of it. Um, you know, I love seeing it become... Yeah, and I'm sure it'll probably still have some of the humor in it, but I like seeing it being taken a little bit more seriously. Um, I hope it doesn't lose all the humor, but you know, I, I I have to say I was probably more more anxious, no, no, more more excited about this trailer than it probably was the first two. Okay, that's cool. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. They definitely have a little bit of that humor uh, in the trailer in the beginning when uh, the dude in the Thank coffee you, shop Spider-Man. calls Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, uh-huh, yup, that's me. <laughs> he couldn't give an autograph away in Endgame, right? Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. I wonder, though, like when he when he gives the, the kid on the bench the high five and the kid turns around and smiles at him, I wonder if he knows that he's Ant-Man or thinks he's someone else. Kamala does. Or he's right? like, why she, did that guy just give me a high five? Could be too, but Kamala knows who he is. She listens to his podcast. That's right. He's a celebrity. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, Ant-Man 3 coming out in February. 
Uh, I'm sure there are more trailers and more uh, lead ups to uh, to be had. That uh, that Black Panther is right around the corner. Yes. Black Panther two coming out. Two weeks. Saw the trailer for that. Was that two weeks away? Yes. Yeah, November That's right, the eleventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, I'm looking forward to that. That movie is that movie is going to make me have emotions. My mother says she tell. doesn't know she wants to see it because it's already too emotional, oh. too, too too difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Are I we not going to do the? Um, are we, since we're talking about Black Panther, are we going to do that question or no? Uh, we could do that question real quick. You want to read it? Uh, <laughs> you uh, want me to read it? I'll read it. Give me a second. Give me a second. I just got to pull it up. All right, here we go. <clears throat> this is from Joseph, not me. Uh, with the much anticipated Black Panther sequel coming out, there's a lot of speculation surrounding it. Who will be the next ah. Panther after Bozeman's death? How will Namor be linking mutants to the MCU? Are we going to see the introduction of any other leaders of fictional countries? Tune in next week to find out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was wondering if you all had any hot takes on the movie before it comes out. And then Joseph has two that he'll share. I have two. Everyone will be the next Black Panther. They'll pull in Asgard isn't a place. It's a people. The symbol of the Panther is bigger than just one person kind of thing. Everyone will wear a Panther mask in a big battle to make it easier and cheaper for the visual effects teams. There it is be damned. <laughs> yeah. Um, and after watching the last trailer, I realized I'm not excited for Rue Williams in the MCU. Not that I don't love her. I just realized I'm burnt out on the tech heroes and their gimmicks. There's 20 movies with Iron Man and villains like Ironmonger and Ultron, War Machine, Pepper and Bruce War Suits, Black Panther and Shura use tech, Mysterio and Iron Man Jr., a.k.a. Spider-Man. Even Dr. Fate is rocking an Iron Man heads-up display in his magic helmet in Black Adam. I want to see Ironheart, but man, do I need a break from tech for a while. Thanks, everyone. Have fun with the movie. Can't wait for the review episode. So he wants to know if we have any hot takes on Black Panther. My hot take is that mm-hmm. that movie is going to make me cry. <laughs> I I i i'm not i am really excited for riri riri i get the tech thing and i think aaron you've also always been critical of <laughs> peter parker tech I bro, admit, right? junior, exactly. yeah yep. um i i don't i see where he's coming from with the everyone is wakanda thing and i think that that will be part of of the narrative i think that there will be this idea of like multiple people carrying the mantle however i do think by the end of the film i think there will be a black panther agree um and i think if you've read the comics i think you know who that's gonna be Um, but i think trailer yeah well there's the thing and and i think that 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 quote-unquote reveal in the trailer because Marvel and Disney do cut better trailers than Warner Brothers in that they don't spoil as much. Although they've been pretty reckless about it the last couple of films, so I could see them. I think that there are a lot of characters in this movie that are being highlighted that would wear the suit that way. Uh, that's how I'll frame that. So I think there is a part of me that agrees with Joseph in the final battle where I think there may be multiple characters wearing the suit. But I think by the end of the film, there will be one person wearing the suit. That's what Wait. I think. Somebody um, watches the my Black Panther take. trailer in the background. <laughs> no, my phone went off. Or oh, okay, it's... that's that's my hot take. Will, will Namor yeah, be Marvel's first mutant? Maybe. Will they get that deeply into it to actually talk about it? I'm not so sure. Yeah, isn't uh, Kamala is the MCU's first mutant? 
Well, technically, Namor is older than Kamala. Right. Well, you know, when <laughs> he's, he's born oh in God. whatever, the 1800s uh, or whatever. Um, right. Tina, Tina Huerta has said in interviews that he's like, yeah, the character's a mutant. So I, I think that, yeah, maybe it is. I, I go back to what I said after Ms. Marvel, though, which is like the mutant thing is just going to kind of just like be a thing. We're not going to get anything like X-Men related until after Secret Wars. That's that's Agreed. my thought like they'll keep dropping mutants in or just like heroes who will be like yeah i just have these powers haha <laughs> and uh and 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 that's what'll happen i want them to laugh just like that ha <laughs> 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 michael douglas laughing like that ha <laughs> as the leaders of other countries there are all sorts of rumors about who's funding the expedition to steal vibranium that's your hot take. That's huh? my hot take. Who, who the who the who the big big bad the is? Big big bad is someone who's had a history with Prince Namor, back to Fantastic Four number six. That's what I'm saying. And and Wakanda going back to uh, the eponymously named Doom War series. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> come on! See what I think <laughs> is possibly going to happen if we're talking hot takes here. The way that that trailer is cut, it gives me the impression that there is going to be a a necessity for a new Black Panther as far as like leadership is concerned. But I think that there's going to be a reluctance to fill that role that is going to last. This movie is almost three hours. It is it's yeah. a long one. And I think that there is going to be a reluctance to put on the suit for a vast majority of that movie until it becomes increasingly apparent that they're being invaded and we need... People need to see the Black Panther. Right. So Mar- Martin pumped. Freeman, please take off the suit. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying oh it's gonna God. it's gonna be one of those things where like we wait until the final act, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. and then they transform and they show up to the battle, and you know you get that big glory shot. The Black Panther's back. You you know he mm-hmm. or she raises their claws, and then they just yeah, oh yeah. you my being just Wah! so. My thing with Marvel trailers, and I, I the, the one that got me is Civil War. You know, all of that marketing was around that airport fight. You know, like, it was like <laughs> oh my God, the airport fight, the airport fight, the airport fight, you know? And they really had us thinking that that airport fight was the climax of the film. Like the act three big battle at the end, right? And that movie did the super soldier thing at the end and, and the twist with there and the Baron Zemo stuff at the very, like the whole third act of that was, was barely like there was barely an implication that any of that was going to happen in the trailer. So I, that's why when, when I saw the, the second black Panther Wakanda forever trailer and I tried to avoid it, but it was freaking before black Adam. And I was like, God yeah. damn it. I, I, I tried to like hide my eyes. Like I wouldn't see it, but like I couldn't, um, I, I, it makes me really question like they they're really good at like making the trailers make you think something is going to be the case, but then it isn't. So, again, I, I go back to the trailer leads you to think one particular character is going to be wearing that suit. And, you know, it is what it is. But I just I feel like there's going to be something else that 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 we need to deal with. There. I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right. I think we should talk about what books we're looking forward to this week. Bob, what are you picking up? Well, 
I had a bunch of things disappear from this week's list, including damage control, which moves to next week and so on and so forth. Wonder Woman Historia, which is now December 27th. Woof. Yeah. So I have Catwoman Lonely City number four. I believe that's the finale of Cliff Chang's mini. Thunderbolts number Mm -hmm. three and Strange number seven. Sweet. Joey, what are you thinking about picking up? Uh, Sins of the Black Flamingo, number five. <laughs> mm. uh, new Mutants, number 31's got a new team on it. Um, Strange Academy Finals, number one. Is that happening? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Punchline, I might pick up. Like I, I was talking about James Tynan before, Batman, and I was like, ah, maybe I'll pick up Punchline. Who knows? This is uh, Teeny Howard. I know, yeah. I know. But like, you know, Punchline was one of the few things from like Joker War that I was like, oh, that's cool. Um there's a book from boom called damn them all number one i always give a boom number one a a try so we'll see how that goes and then finally um i might actually no i might not because now i can wait a month uh the riddler year one the paul dano book i'll I'll definitely check that one out too Mm -hmm. what's in the pool aaron so you know i got my axe stuff so there's a judgment day number six i thought variance four was coming out Uh, i think it got pushed yeah uh, well, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a, shoot in the, a shot in the dark. I was going to look at Tim Drake Robin, but I think I might wait till next month. Wait for the Damien book. That's what I'm saying. You know what? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, here, here's what I can do. You know, <laughs> Strange Academy. Uh, there was a book coming out called Damn Them All from Image. I think I might check that out. Magic Order 3, number 4, Black Flamingo, and Flawed, number 2. Sweet. Uh, for me, this is my this is my DC poll. Catwoman Lonely City number four, Detective 1065, DC versus Vampires number 10, Harley Quinn 23, Human Target number eight, Punchline, The Gotham Game number one, Riddler Year One, and Tim Drake Robin number two. Now, if I were still, if I was, if I was old Steve, that would probably run me like 50 something bucks, all yeah. that. So in just two weeks, the DC app has paid for itself. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm going to do my best to wait probably on all of these with the exception of Catwoman Lonely City because I've been picking that up physically. Um, and I might I might go in for Punchline uh, Gotham game number one. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, other books that I'm looking to pick up are uh, Flawed number two. I read Flawed number one last week and loved it. Aaron, you were spot on with your review of that on the show a couple weeks ago. Yes. It was awesome. Um, that um, Sins of the Black Flamingo, number five, loving that series. Strange, number seven. Still haven't read past one, but still collecting that. Uh, <laughs> Strange, I'll get to it one of these days. Strange Academy, finals, number one. Uh, I guess the variance is being moved? I... It was still on, on the list that I looked at for new releases, but maybe it's maybe it hasn't been updated. Last um, I saw in terms of previews, meaning Diamond, it wasn't on their list. Okay, it's on uh, League of whatever. League of uh, Comic Comics Super Geeks yeah. or whatever. I don't know what it's called. Uh, last but not least, House of Slaughter, number 10. A new image book called Lovesick, number one, I'm going to check out. Uh, and I'm going to read Vanish, number one, and probably pick out uh, number two based on uh, Aaron's thoughts uh, of it, I think like two weeks ago, something like that, maybe a month ago. I don't know. What is time anymore? 
but it sounds like fun. All right, Bob, you said that you have a closing statement. Would you like to share it? Yes, I do. Really quickly, I mentioned in our post-New York Comic Con recap thing that we, Aaron and I and Carolyn and Melissa and Max and the whole crew, we Chris, we met uh, this lovely lady named Trish Reed who had come with her friend Troy from Australia and came with us and... Uh, let me just quote from her letter. As promised, please find attached the photo taken at the Algonquin. It makes me smile every time I look at it. Well, me too, Trish. She says, it is so strange to think that voices on the other end of a podcast can have such an impact on you. But talking comics has made me smile and discover some of the most amazing comics. I know I mentioned I Kill Giants, but I stupidly forgot to thank you for my obsession with Shape on Shash and the Sunstone series. I love that story, so thank you. Troy and I both had such a great night. As I mentioned on the night, meeting you and the rest of the team was high on my list of must-dos as soon as I knew we were making the trip to New York Comic Con. I was not disappointed, and you guys made us so completely welcomed. And we feel the same way, Trish, that we know there are folks like you out there who feel about this thing that we do to make these sort of pilgrimages that we're important to you where you're important to us. And I just want to say thank you. Oh, Bob. Absolutely. That's lovely. And thank you, Trish, for your, for your kind words. It's amazing. Glad you had such a good time. Hopefully we will get out to New York city comic con one of these years. Uh, we'll have to make some plans for it, but that would be nice. Cause I would love to see you all again i'll be i'll be one of those people that's like oh this is so nice <laughs> all right the better empanadas yes they do they're full heat all right let's get out of here <laughs> we've reached the end of this week's edition of the talking comics podcast as always you could send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com is the email send us your quizzes your questions your comments your complaints anything you like we are also on twitter at talking comics bob where can our listeners find you old-fashioned email bob ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. joey at joey Bertrino. and i would like to take this time to say congratulations to you sir and that i wish you nothing but the best on your big day you you and emily and uh, I think you are both lovely, and I hope you have the best time. Oh, yeah, we're getting married this weekend. Yeah, yeah that's that. Oh, oh yeah, that's happening. I was like, for what? I'm just oh, kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Downplaying it. It's an amazing thing. I'm very, I'm very, very, very happy for you. I, I really wish that we could be there. Um, we will be there in spirit, for sure. I'm hoping my gown comes in in time. <laughs> so say we all. Um, Aaron, where can people find you? Oh, I thought we forgot. Oh, at Aaron J. Amos. I, I didn't forget yeah. you. No, I forgot. <laughs> at Aaron J. Amos. Did I say that already? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Chris is at uh, The Myth of Psyche on Twitter, and I am at Dead underscore Anchorus online. So for Bob. Congrats, Emily and Joey. For Joey. Thanks, y'all. For Aaron. Rest in peace, Leslie Jordan. Yes, indeed. And for me, thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. We will catch you next week. 
on the Talking Comics podcast. Until then, to be continued. 